This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, gang? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to another week and a big episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily coming out of a perfect weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. And your eyes don't deceive you, folks. Look up. Look way up. Number one in the Western Conference is the Winnipeg Jets as they hit the road for five games beginning tomorrow in Montreal. Looking forward to catching up with Jamie Thomas before he gets on the plane this afternoon. He'll join us first and then... We'll get into the return of Pierre-Luc Dubois to Montreal and some big picture things around this first place hockey club with Jeff Hamilton a little bit later on. And obviously there's tons of football to get to and some big news in the Canadian Football League that Nathan Rourke has signed in the National Football League and he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dave Naylor is going to jump on later on in the show, talk a little bit about that and get his thoughts on the Bills win. He was there yesterday in Western New York and the rest of the NFL action. Um, welcome to everyone listening on the podcast. Hope you had a great weekend. Shout out to everyone with us on YouTube right out the gate and a big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day starting with our great friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and our friends at Not Auto Corp. Michael Remus, how was your weekend? Look, fantastic weekend, Hustler. You had NFL playoffs, which, shockingly, like, every game was good and close. Great weather. Uh, went for a you know walk outside and didn't think I was gonna die. Um, it was amazing. The weather was absolutely glorious. Can I just tell you? And I should have tweeted this out. Yes, there was like a million people on the skate trail this weekend. Yeah. Like every time I looked out, it was bananas out there. They just had a nice flood too. By the way, quick update <laughs> from uh, what's happening here on the uh, banks of the Assiniboine. Um, and man, Saturday and Sunday, for that matter, if you walked around and saw people wearing Jets gear, they were walking with a little bit of extra kick in their step because, uh, man, the way this weekend got started off with that win in Pittsburgh, to me, uh, like I did not want to, that to be buried, Reeman. To be honest, very rarely do I wish we had a show on Saturday, but I kind of did this week because of the way this weekend started with that win in Pittsburgh. In last night, kind of a workmanlike effort. Team was in complete control, never really in danger, got the two points. That's what they needed to. But I got to say, and we'll hear from uh, Rick Bonus in his comments afterwards. Um, coach said this is one of the best games of the entire season for his club. And I could not agree more. When you think about the way they played against the Buffalo Sabres, really needing to rely on a heroic performance of Connor Hellebuck to get those two points. Three and four, second and a back-to-backs, all the things that you hear going up against the club. They put together one of their best performances of the season and absolutely worked the Pittsburgh Penguins for a full 60. Yeah, that was the statement game Friday, and I'm sitting at home watching the game, and I just kept thinking of all the messages in the chat we were getting. Oh, they should be starting. Hellbuck Riddich is starting. Uh, this is going to be an L. You know, we were talking about how they had the flu and Perfetti had his minutes limited on Thursday's game. We talked about how you know, they just had two poor defensive efforts in terms of giving up quality shots 
know, Detroit uh, was more early, but Buffalo, you know, really, I mean, Connor Hellbeck had to stand on his head in that one. And to come out in Pittsburgh with the three games in four nights, with back-to-back, with uh, the flu and all that, and have that kind of performance in a building where, you know, the Jets, I have memories of Crosby scoring oh. milestone goals there and getting beatdowns in, uh, what's, what's it called now, PPG Paints? arena oh, that's right melon arena the igloo whatever a memory a bad memories in that place and the jets went and just laid the smack down for 60 minutes absolutely incredible and we're still getting messages after that hustler people wondering if the jets are for real when when you look up the standings today and see the jets in first place not in the central but in the entire western conference i think that answers any question uh, any question you had don't take our words for it do your own research, as they say. <laughs> look up, uh, look way up. There they are. And man, the entire run this team has been on has been, uh, listen, it's still disappointing that the one game they've lost in their last nine was the one that would have got Bones into the All-Star game. Can, can we start a motion for a recount right now, Remus, yes. on that? Yes. You know, we're not even a week away. Can we say, I'm not sure they got it right, and now look back at, at the standings and see whether we can maybe get bones in. Hey, whatever, whatever happened in that game coming out of it, the Winnipeg Jets have pulled off another three straight wins and now head out East to uh, Montreal tomorrow, Toronto on Thursday. And I have a feeling Remus, this is the best time for the Jets to be in this lofty spot because I know it's been bothering a lot of people. Um, that maybe the Jets have been flying under the radar all year long with the season that they've had. That ain't going to happen this week with the Jets in uh, the two biggest media markets come for the National Hockey League here in Canada. I imagine, and we'll talk about this more with Hammer later on, a lot of the talk tomorrow is going to be specifically about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, But once the Winnipeg Jets get to Toronto for what should be a great game, I mean, they're tied with the Leafs right now with 59 points in the standings. Um, some people that have been sleeping on or not paying attention to the Winnipeg Jets will have to pay attention to them because they'll be rolling in as one of the top teams in the NHL. Yeah, this is the perfect time for the Jets to be going into the media capital of Canada. I wonder if there'll be the questions leading in, are the Jets the best team in Canada? Um, you know, and they're, are they Stanley, you know, Stanley Cup contender? Or how likely are they to win? Whatever questions you may have. And with the part of this, this is all amazing is, None of us were saying this in the offseason. Zero, none. Um, you know, we thought maybe they'd be a bubble team, and it just makes this season so incredible. Um, you know, the co- we talk about the, it's like this is just us praising the coaching staff every day, but they set out areas they wanted to improve. One of them is, was the defense or offense from the defense and Josh Morrissey, historic season. I mean, Dylan DeMello getting in on the point totals as well. It's been incredible to watch this. And, I'm looking forward to it. I love when the Jets play the Leafs because uh, then it seems like people seem to notice that there's actually a team here. <laughs> well, it would be that much better if they could go in and get two points against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a really, really good hockey club, of course, and they're having a real strong season. Uh, but first up will be the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. Um, but back to the weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we've got to talk about Cole Perfetti, and I still pe- see people in chat talking about Fetty. I mean... He didn't even get to 10 minutes in that Buffalo game. And at the beginning, I wasn't sure whether it was just sort of, you know, they were looking to get some guys that were maybe a little more locked down defensively with that goal lead late. Um, but it was sickness that kept him out. And 
um, I believe it was Mitch Clinton or one of the guys that were with the club saying that, you know, hey, he was out there, um, you know, cutting sticks in the morning, so still had the option or was hoping to play. He had one of his best games as a Winnipeg Jet, Remo, three assists. And you look at what that line did with the two goals from Shifley on Friday and then that ridiculous passing oh. play that set up Blake Wheeler last night. Um, for anyone that was waiting to kind of see Perfetti and Wheeler get back to where they were with Mike Shifley before they got hurt, uh, you're not waiting any longer. They really did stand out and were uh, dominant at times over the course of this weekend. Man, that uh, passing play, like Perfetti going around, like he fakes going around and the back pass to Shifley over to Wheeler for the tap in. Oh, man, was that, uh, that was a pretty play. And Perfetti with the flu game Friday, three assists. The guy played 10 minutes Thursday. Uh, who knows? We don't know the full gory details, Hustler, as much as I've been dying to hear the circumstances of that. But this guy is clearly a gamer. And if you look at the NHL.com rookie scoring leaders, Hustler, you know, we've talked a lot about bonus Jack Adams, Morrissey, Norris, Hellebuck, Vesna. Well, we haven't really talked about Perfetti as a Calder Trophy candidate lately, but look, don't look now, Huss. Um, uh, he's second in rookie scoring behind Maddie Bernier's. I've had seen people here like uh, poo-pooing uh, Perfetti's stats and chat saying, oh, he plays carried by Shafley and Wheeler. Hey, you still got to go out there, play there, put up the points. It's been incredible. And and also, you know, I had people in our comments saying, you know, this team has a clear-cut number one line with Connor Dubois and uh, and Ehlers. And Ehlers has been amazing um, since he's come back into the lineup. But I think this this other line makes a really, really nice top six where if it's not both of them you know, or it's one of them or the other. And uh, and yesterday or the last two games, it was the Shifley-Wheeler-Perfetti line putting up the putting up points, although the power play did get one yesterday. But uh, yeah. these guys are, are clicking now. And, and yeah, they just need some time after uh, the injuries. Huss. I mean, Blake Wheeler, I mean... He had, he had quite an injury uh, that I'm sure he made the he made one of the ultimate sacrifices yes. for his team, I'll, the the ultimate sacrifice for the Winnipeg Jets. I think we can never forget the sacrifice Blake Wheeler made uh, for the city and um, and yeah. Now I think maybe they're slowly uh, recovering uh, from their injuries and from the flu. Well, he looked pretty damn good on the weekend. I mean, he scored in back to back games and. I mean, listen, we could go a lot of different ways with this conversation, but I just do want to mention Wheeler. Uh, because so often we talk about Connor and Ehlers and Dubois and Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti. Wheeler is a big, big part of this still, despite everything that happened going into this season. And uh, I don't think anyone, even the biggest critic of Blake Wheeler, could really have anything bad to say about what he's given this team, considering everything that was surrounding him coming into this season. 30 points now in 35 games. He scored in back-to-back games and... Um, you know, with great the great season that Shifley's having is absolutely noteworthy, and, and we're going to be talking about him potentially pushing a career high in goals. Um, but the longtime former captain of the Winnipeg Jets is continuing to deliver right now. And you know, and I, if I would have told you at the start of the year we'd be talking about Shifley and Wheeler together as a dominant line, I don't think that would have gone very far in the chat. There was a lot of people that had written Blake off and did not want to see those guys together. And let's face it, that's not the way they started. But it's funny how things sort of work. And as things have shaken out, those two guys are playing together again and playing great along with Cole Perfetti. And you've got 
the firepower of Connor and Ehlers, along with Dubois, who's having a career season. And to your point about the top two lines, I mean, if you look back like at last season, one of the things that really held the Jets back was that they never really had both of those lines going at the same time. It was one or the other. And more often than not this year, both of those lines have been impactful. And uh, But it was certainly the Shifley line that stepped up, was massive on Friday, and uh, of course had the winning goal last night in a, uh, in a bit of a slog against the Yotes. Yeah, one thing um, you know we haven't really talked about is Mark Shifley's assist. And we've joked that he's going for, what, the Cy Young? Cy Young Award. But... I tweeted this out Friday. Mike Kelly had a really nice um, thing on NHL Network using SportLogic analytics, going how good how good he is relative to the rest of the league at uh, having passes to the inner slot and setting guys up. And he set guys up. You know, he's playing with who like Lowry and Carson Kuhlman, and you know Kyle Connor was really snake bit early. But his passing, I think Mike Kelly showed that his passing to the inner slot has been up there with some of the best in the league and. You know, he's had a couple assists, really nice pass to Wheeler there and you know, 26 and 13. He's having a nice season. And Blake Wheeler, I know you and Jeff are going to get into talking about, you know, Dubois, Hellebuck, and Shafley, but I do wonder what happens with Blake Wheeler. He's got two years left on his deal. And you look at his career numbers, he's about to hit a big, big milestone, at least I think so, 900 points. He's at 897. And I think he's going to get to 1,000 if he plays, you know, two, three more seasons. I think it would be really sad if he had 1,000 a point in a different uniform. It would, it would really be hard to see, but I do wonder if that's the way this is headed, especially after last season, or maybe there's some reconciling and he takes a, a bit of a pay cut. He's making 8.25 uh, this year and next season. That's one guy. Um, he's meant a lot to the organization. Um, there is some almost some like last dance vibes here with this season as well, lurking in the background of this year uh, with Dubois, who's having a career year um, entering RFA and then a UFA in the two years remaining of Hellebuck, Wheeler, Shifley. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's so. interesting you put it that way because mm-hmm. you're not wrong uh, in that, I mean, we can't look at this team without being cognizant of the contracts and how much money everyone's making in a salary cap world. Um, and come this summertime, as we've spoken about numerous times on this program, there's going to have to be some clarity on some key players and some tough decisions. Um, but as far as Wheeler goes, Remus, it's a real interesting question. I mean, if he can play out and play this, this season and next season at this level, um, you know, obviously he's not going to be an $8 million player anymore at that time at what, 37 years old. But if he's still playing at this level, there, I would imagine, will be a spot on this team. And I am with you. I mean, it would be... It would be great to see Blake finish his career as a Winnipeg Jet and be the one guy that was the mainstay from the first day the team got here from Atlanta to whenever he finishes playing. Um, But the best thing that he can do and both the team can do is continue to do what they are doing right now. That's winning hockey games. That would be going for a nice run in the playoffs. And, um, you know, as I said, that's one of those bridges you'll come to when you get to because you do assume that there'll be plenty of money coming off the cap from what you've been paying a guy like Blake Wheeler but I certainly wouldn't rule out him potentially staying around longer if he was going to keep on playing what we'll talk about with Jeff and they touched on this a little bit last night and of course Dubois is going to be a huge part of the story this week especially tomorrow going into Montreal in his hometown and I guess there was a report on the weekend Marat was uh, reporting that he's taking over the Vincent Le Cavalier Foundation 
um, which is going to be doing uh, things for, I believe, underprivileged kids in and around his hometown of Montreal. So, of course, that gets people thinking that he's one, you know, closer to being out the door. But I think what I've been maintaining is that I think a lot of balls are in the air right now. And I think a lot of things are possible, especially as he continues to have a career season playing with Kyle Connor and the team has the success that they have been enjoying so far this season. Um, listen, before we bring in Jamie Thomas and sort of talk about the weekend, look ahead to this road trip, Reem, why don't we hear a little bit of, uh, of Rick bonus, but it, for those people that have been asking, I think we know the answer to this, but our why not question of the day are, are have you come around now, folks? Are you convinced <laughs> that the jets are a legitimate contender in the Western conference, in the central and in the national hockey league right now? That's our why not question of the day for our friends over at uh, Waverly and McGilvery. Um, but let's hear from Bones, uh, Reem. The Boneyard, as many fans were calling it, wasn't the most raucous building. And I think we all sort of expected that on a Sunday in January. Although, to be honest, with the way the team had played on the road and came back after that game in Pittsburgh, would have liked it maybe to be a little bit more boisterous. But that was the way that it was. Bottom line is the team got the job done. Um, and Rick Bonus talked about looking at the standings right now and seeing his team up at the top of the table. Yeah, I think any time you get this far into the season and you can be at the top of the division or the conference, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's meaningful because the guys, you know, you, you know what we've been through with the travel and, and the injuries and the sickness and everything. And for us to be sitting there at, and listen, there's a lot of hard work ahead of us and there's a long road to go. We know that. But it's a credit to their resilience that we're sitting here where we are today. Uh, that, so give the players a lot of credit. Give the players a lot of credit and certainly give the coach a lot of credit. Um, there is Rick Bonus. Um, Dubois, of course, having a massive season so far, a career year, leading the way on that line along with Kyle Connors and that uh, Kyle Connor. And the line's only gotten more deadly since Nikolai Ehlers showed up. But that big guy in the middle has been a burr in the saddle of most opponents this year, and his scoring is at a rate we haven't seen before. Rick Bonus talked about his horse, number eighty, Pierre Luc Dubois. Love seeing that because, I, and again, I know he's got his 20 goals now and he's up there on the scoring, but he's very underrated defensively. Uh, he, he's a solid two-way player right now. He really is. And he, and you give him a lot of credit for that because he uses his size and his reach and his strength on both ends of the, of the right now. So he's going to score. He's going to create that. Uh, he's going to create offense. But if you watch him compete in our zone and you watch his reads, like he does a real good job defensively. So that's an underrated part of his game. All right, there's a little bit of bones on Pierre-Luc Dubois and his contributions, and we're talking about Dubois quite a bit, I'm sure, over the next few days with the Jets in Montreal. Um, Reem, there was a roster move today. Um, Vili Hanel is back up with the Winnipeg Jets. Chanson Harkins back to the Manitoba Moose. Harkins, of course, was an emergency recall. And for anyone that I think thought that the Jets had once again, you know, placed Vili back with the Manitoba Moose to percolate and get ready for prime time um doesn't look like that's the case i think they're back to where they were last week when it was time to give billy handle some playing time and i would imagine he gets that on this road trip after today's recall yeah the jets uh sticking to the word getting him in and i guess i was kind of surprised because maybe we did think that uh, he was going to go back because they're they've just played so damn well but they said they were trying to get him in 
last week, called in sick, uh, 4 p.m., missed the weekend, and I don't know, maybe he'll play against Montreal tomorrow, or they get him in against Ottawa. Maybe they save Sandberg for Toronto. It's, I think it's going to be a, tougher, a tougher game. You know, those teams always seem to go at each other. We do remember Spetz's flying knee to the head of Neil Pionk last year. Um, so nice to see Villy, and we want to see him in more games, and you're pumped for him uh, there. That was the big roster move today, and uh, Jansen Harkins, for emergency purposes, uh, he's going, he got called up, and now he's uh, back down with the moose. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when he plays um, because, honestly, a, a pretty tough after watching this weekend to make an argument that the Jets should be yanking anyone out yes. of that top six. However, um, they do want to see Philly play. They are going to need him at times, and um, it seems like this would be a good opportunity, especially with Logan Stanley's return apparently somewhat around the corner. It sounds like he's going to be skating with the team on this upcoming road trip. Those, those will all be things that we'll be paying close attention to as far as the managing the roster on a game by game basis. We have seen a few tweaks. And one of those last night was um, Sam Gagne getting a night off. Here's bones on uh, managing the roster and trying to make sure everyone gets into some games. We talk a lot about that. We watch that very closely. Man managing the schedule. And I've said this before it is incredibly important in terms of travel and practices and days off. And then when you, and with the sickness that's gone through the team, that becomes magnified. So when you have extra guys around, now you got to use them. How do you make that final call? Is um, the, no one's going to sit out very long. They're, they're just not. And we've got eight more games before the end of the month. That's a lot of hockey coming up. And uh, we'll, be, we'll monitor that very closely and, and making sure we're using everyone. All right, there is uh, Rick Bonus, And, I mean, it basically applies to just about everyone. I mean, Kyle Capabianco has been the odd man out almost throughout this season, but is obviously seen as an important insurance policy for the Winnipeg Jets. And I really do think because of the tough decisions that are coming up, getting Hanela back into a few more games is going to be impactful when it comes to um, setting that true depth chart hierarchy going into potentially having to expose someone like a Capabianco to waivers if there's not enough room on the roster. So um, we'll be following that over this, the course of this road trip, but Vili Hanela back up with the club and is a possibility for tomorrow night's game in Montreal. We mentioned how well the Shifley Wheeler Perfetti line performed over the course of the weekend. Cole had that big game with three assists. It was Blake Wheeler with a goal and an assist. That was also a monster in Pittsburgh. Uh, Wheeler talked about the chemistry that continues to grow with his longtime line mate Mark Shifley, as well as the youngster Perfetti. I think when when you when you have good chemistry with guys, um, you seem to, you know, make the right pass at the right time, and they're expecting it. Um, when there's you know maybe not so much chemistry with guys, you know that's when it looks like you're overpassing or shoot you know shooting when you should pass. Uh, just guys on different pages, and I think that's what I was alluding to. You know, kind of that secret sauce is is chemistry that some guys just have. Fair to say, Blake, that that chemistry with the three of you, really good game last game. Like it's just you're building on it game by game. You know, now with you and Cole, kind of now ten days or so since coming back. Yeah, I mean, we were we were flying before we both got hurt, and then uh, you know, obviously the two of us come back at the same time. It's just 
just takes a little bit of time, you know, even if your uh, legs and lungs are, you know, where you want them to be, there's just those, those touches and hands are a little bit behind. So, uh, you know, I thought the whole last road trip, you know, I, I really liked the way we were playing and, you know, could have had uh, big nights in, in both Buffalo and Detroit. And uh, so it was good to, you know, get a bit of a reward in Pittsburgh and uh, carry it over tonight. All right, there's Blake Wheeler after um, the uh, winner last night. But we do not want to bury the lead of that Pittsburgh game. And uh, we've got a couple clips from Bones. This is one that I think was most telling of just how pleased he was with the way his team came in after a performance that he frankly hated against the Buffalo Sabres, turning it around 24 hours later and absolutely thoroughly beating the Pittsburgh Penguins in just about every aspect of the game. This was Bones after Friday's win in Pitt. We were dressed up this morning and give the players full marks for responding the way they did. Good for them. Uh, but that's probably one of the best games we played all year. Really was in terms of uh, how we want to play and how you can be successful moving forward. We got, uh, uh, there's certainly no passengers tonight. Everyone contributed. Everyone did the job that they were asked to do. And again, give the players full marks for responding. They weren't happy. Even though we won the game last night, they weren't happy with the way we played, and that's the most important thing. All right, so there's Rick Bonus after Friday's big win in Pittsburgh over Sidney Crosby, Getty Malkin, and the Penguins. And you could just see, I mean, there was a little bit of relief that that quick trip with three and four was over, but a lot of pride. And I think that the way the team played and coming back for one game against Arizona was one of those things that maybe made some people nervous about that game last night. But again, they went out and got the job done. One more clip, and we talked about Cole Perfetti being you know, ill on Thursday, missing a good portion of the second half of the game. Well, he stepped up on Friday in a big, big way. Bones talked about Perfetti's big three-assist flu game Friday against the Penguins. It, it shows he's becoming a good pro because you, you, you learn how to... You learn how to overcome those things you're not going to feel great every night uh, especially after, after what he's been through the last couple of days but being a good pro means you find a way to uh, to, to succeed and do your play your game and he's he's done that so he's growing on the ice he's growing off the ice and he's with two pretty good mentors for that he just talked in that room about playing you know things he's learning from mark and blake on a daily basis on and off the ice That's yeah no they're good like a good two uh, two good pros good examples so uh pay and he's smart enough to pay attention yeah. learn. right so good for good on him all right bones with a little more of the weekend wrap up from the podium here on winnipeg sports talk we're going to continue the jets conversation jeff hamilton's coming up a little bit later on um we're going to have jamie thomas jump on in just a second before we do that we mentioned it was a glorious weekend out there it still is january in winnipeg and you know it's going to be getting cold and that is going to tax your car is your battery ready for the heights or shall we say the lows of winnipeg winter well you can find out if you're concerned and you'd like a free battery test pop by manitoba battery at 1026 logan they'll quickly find out where your battery's at and if you need one you'll be able to get it right there at the best possible price in town shopping local with manitoba battery however if your car isn't starting or you know damn well you need a new battery manitoba battery is going to save you time and money by getting you the best price and delivering it to you anywhere in the city all you need to do is give them a call or order online at manitobabattery.com by 3 p.m 
for same-day service anywhere in the city for Manitoba Battery. Donnie and the gang, best staff around. Shop local, support local, and get yourself the best deal. If you need a battery for anything, but especially your car in the winter, go to Manitoba Battery over on Logan Avenue. Um, Keep on sending in those nominations for our Unsung Hero, folks. It was great to give our December winner out to Mark yesterday. Uh, but as we know, on a daily basis, hearing more and more about individuals doing great things very quietly in the city of Winnipeg that we would like to honor. And of course, we've teamed up with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey for the Unsung Hero program, supporting the Dream Factory. What you need to do is send us an email to unsunghero at winnipegsports.com. Tell us about the person that, whether it be through volunteering with charities, other programs, um, social networks here in the city, uh, or being involved with the tireless hours of volunteerism that it takes to run our minor sports programs. We'd love to hear about it. You send us that email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We'll pick a winner for the month that unsung hero is going to get an autographed Jets jersey from none other then all-star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace is going to donate $500 in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who nominated the unsung hero to the Dream Factory. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that. So keep those emails coming in. And uh, you can find out more on the Dream Factory as well with the link on our website at winnipegsportstalk.com. Our consolidated supplier ready for 2023. As we finished off 2022, with the epic consolidated supply marbles tournament. Shout out to Winnipeg Walter, the champion. Uh, but now we move on to 2023 and spicy Joe and the gang. They're already looking ahead to the summer and you should be too. If you're thinking about a landscaping project, some irrigation, they've got you covered for that. Maybe some artificial turf on the property, that dream putting green in the backyard. They can help you with that. And while you're talking about that backyard, how about adding a hot tub? What about an outdoor kitchen? They've got it all consolidated supply. Pop down and see them. 1395 Nyakwa Road East or check out everything they can do for you and your property online at cte.ca. And just before we bring in JT, we should mention to you that uh, if you're still battling a bug, you should be making a trip or getting someone to make a trip for you down to Vita Health Fresh Market for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Battling colds and sore throats has never been easier with Cold Flex Oregano Spray. Every time I mention it, we hear people raving about it in the chat. Cold Flex Oregano Spray is made locally by Inatech Nutrition. It helps relieve coughs and sore throats, and it helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. And if you're celebrating a sober January or a veganuary, you'll find a great selection of non-alcoholic beverages and vegan and plant-based options. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, Hammer coming up in a few minutes, but right now let's welcome in Jamie Thomas before the team heads out to Montreal this afternoon. JT, top of the West, hell of a way oh. to start a week. How are you? Oh. Oh. Like, imagine all those people that had all those bad things to say about the Winnipeg Jets at the beginning part of the year. Holy cow, how do they feel today? And I like that was that game last night is just they've won so many different ways, and that was 
so dry last night. Like I just, you look at the entertainment value of that, that game. It was great for the first five minutes. And then you just had to grind it out. That was a real grinder as Paul Maurice used to say. And um, my gosh, uh, it's such a big win, but the entertainment value with the Arizona coyotes is very low at all times. Isn't it? I feel bad for their fans right now, but uh, they, they work hard and they make it very difficult. But it is, it's a tough game to watch when you play against yeah, Arizona. They, uh, listen, I mean, they hang on as long as they can. They try to keep keeps game close. Yeah. Uh, they have, listen, if you were a Winnipeg Jet fan and had just watched Jets games against Coyotes, you would think that Carl Vimelka is like, if he's not the best goalie, he's second behind oh. Connor Hellebuck. I mean, it's crazy yeah. what he does. Uh, but, I mean, that was a kind of a workmanlike win, Jamie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the, the team never really seemed too much in trouble, but to their credit, they didn't get too much away from what they had to do to stay in control of the hockey game. And listen, a quick stop back home in the midst of eight games on the road or nine mm-hmm. games on the road, whatever it is. Um, it was about getting two points. They got that done. And uh, as I said, you wake up this morning and this team is on the top of the Western conference. Yeah. yeah I with going back to Vamelka for a second. I, I feel like he's at with games against the jets. He's almost at the level where like you, you don't even have a first name anymore. He's just Vamelka. Yeah. He's like Pele at this point. It's just Vamelka. And there's even a term now you got Vamelka and like his last win comes against Toronto. And I remember seeing the highlights and I'm like, see somebody else knows what it's like to get Vamelka. And like, that's, that's really all they have one line. They, their defense is pretty big. Like they're, they're tough to play against. But like just to win a game like that, that's uh, that is not what a playoff game looks like. But it's just like you hang in there, you hang in there, and you get it done when it has to get done. So, uh, full credit to the Jets to to changing their system and playing change and not playing the game that they want to play, but playing enough of a style where you can win. And because uh, it would be really difficult to have the success they did on that road trip and and as crazy and up and down as it was, and come home and just kind of lay an egg against against uh, Arizona. But you get the job done. You feel good about yourselves. You're in first place, and you head out in the road to, to Eastern Canada, where the Jets are finally going to get some attention out out east. Yeah, well, and as they should. I mean, starting it off in Montreal and Toronto before uh, continuing the road trip out to Ottawa and then south of the border. But listen, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on last night's game because, mm. frankly, there wasn't a ton to talk about, especially when we have this game Friday night. It's a couple days separated from where yeah. we're at right now but needs to be discussed. I mean, Jamie, you watch every single game. Mm-hmm. That was right up there with the best performances of the season. Back-to-backs, on the road, backup goaltender against a, what should have been a pretty desperate Pittsburgh Penguins team. I I couldn't have been more impressed with what the Jets did Friday night to get, um, you know, to within striking distance of uh, first place. And, and when you think about the back-to-back at three games and four nights and what's happened to the Jets before, right guys. And their back-to-backs like the, that five and seven, right before the Christmas break, they, the tough part about that, those ones was you fly from Vancouver and you got to go, you got to go through customs in the United States. They play Seattle. So they're not in their hotel until late in the morning. I know to a lot of people, that's not hard, but it is hard to get, it was hard for me to get up the next day. Never mind the guys that have to go play. And they didn't look like they had a lot of energy and same thing. And like, you know, Boston, Washington, you're playing one of the toughest buildings in the league you, a game. You deserve to win against the Boston Bruins, just run out of time at the end. And that one, and they have to play in Washington the next night, right before the break. So you're a little concerned going to that game against the Penguins. Cause Pittsburgh has that place has not been fun for the jets for a long time. I've never seen the jets win there. I've been there oh, it's four been a times. Graveyard. Uh, it's been like, and that's just, I'm looking at Paul I'm like, Oh, is this the right time to go to Pittsburgh? Really? <laughs> Especially with the way everybody was feeling, you know, some guys were feeling and, and you know, it was funny talking to Dylan Sandberg yesterday 
And I just said, what, like, what was that like? And he just said, well, we just put upon ourselves, like we weren't going to lose. We deserve, we felt we deserved to sweep that road trip. Um, and for them to play the way they did and lock down Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, I know I have people, I'm hearing people going, there's something wrong with Crosby. He's like, no, he's getting the jets are just locking him down. There's like no room for him to move. And to see Malkin slam his stick against the boards on the late power play in the third period, I haven't seen the, those two players ever look frustrated against the jets. And I've only been here six years. I know, but still it's been, they have lit up the jets time and time again, over the, over the time of playing against them. And so for the jets to lock it down and David Riddick was solid. And he said to Paul <laughs> Vincent is in his coach's corner that his wife could have made those saves against the penguins. That's how well they defended. So I'm sure the penguins wouldn't appreciate that, but that we got we found some great humor uh, in one of his, you know, one of Paul's many great one-on-ones with the jets this year, but that was, that was up there. So it they well they defended well they they waited patiently uh like a, a solid team would and so for them to play different so many different and four different games now i'm going back to the road trip and the game against arizona and to play for the most part well uh it's uh, you have a lot of hope for this team because it seems like they can play any way right now and, and find a way to get two points well you know what jamie i mean uh, so much of the uh, jet success lately has been you know, in and around Kyle Connor, Pierre Luc yeah. Dubois, and of course yeah. Nikolai Ehlers' return, but it was the Shifley Wheeler Perfetti line that really stood mm-hmm. out this weekend. And I mean, we we're kind of joking off air talking about the Cole Perfetti flu game. Yeah, um, you know, he was under ten minutes in the game against Buffalo. He was a question mark for the game on Friday, and then comes out and has a massive impact in that game. Uh, First of all, credit to the young man for his ability to bounce back from being as sick as he was the day before. Yeah. And that's great news for the Winnipeg Jets to get that line going as well. We know Mark Shifley's been going, but, you know, that was the best we've seen with Wheeler and Perfetti since both of those were out of the lineup for a considerable period of time. Right. And you even go, you go to the game against Detroit and they had that two on one or even a three on one and they overpass it. And like that line's been guilty of that quite a bit, guys. And um, they're, was a little bit of frustration shown by Rick bonus after that game and then headed the game against Buffalo wanted to see them shoot the puck more. Um, and they, they got that job done. Like there, there was efficient passing, but Cole Perfetti is so cerebral. Like there's a lot of respect for him. He's a young player um, to, and Rick bonus said yesterday, that's about being a pro, right? You find a way, even though you're not feeling your best that to, to produce you, if you're going to be out there, you got to do something. And Cole Perfetti did quite a bit again, in that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins to have three assists that he did. And, um, a lot of credit. Um, he's learning a lot from a hockey nerd and a guy that eats, breathes, sleeps hockey and Mark Shifley and, and one of the best pros out there in Blake Wheeler. Right. So there, it's, it's hard not to, it's easy to see what they do. It's put into, um, work that the stuff that they do and, and Cole Perfetti has been doing that. So full credit to him. That's tough to do. Uh, it's tough to play in Pittsburgh when you're, when you're fully healthy. So for that performance, it was something else. And it was really nice to see that Shifley Wheeler, Perfetti line produced the way they did against Pittsburgh. And then again, you know, they get a big goal, certainly against the uh, Peng, or sorry, the uh, Coyotes on Monday, Sunday. I'm losing my days, guys. I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's only going to get worse. You get back yeah. on the road for a week and a half, starting with uh, a flight a little later on today to Montreal. Uh, you know, Jamie, when we look at this road trip overall, it was sort of bizarre. I mean, it was so quick. Um, the Detroit game, which we've talked about, was mm. honestly an off night for Connor, uh, off night for Connor Hellebuck, and then Hellebuck right. put the team on his back against Buffalo. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think the Jets were particularly better in Buffalo. In fact, I might say the other way from the Detroit game. 
But then it all came together in that Pittsburgh game. And listen, I know they came back and got what they needed to do done yesterday. But yeah, that Pittsburgh game, and we've said this a few times, and that's just a credit to what Rick Bonus and his staff has done with this hockey club. As far as a road game goes, that might be the blueprint. And man, if they can continue playing like that when they get on the road, considering who's coming up, um, it'll certainly make for some uh, interesting matchups. And man, that game Thursday night against another one of the top teams in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they seem to be ready to go on this trip after that performance Friday night. Yeah, I think so. And um, even like you, you look back, I know we're going back quite a bit, but that Detroit game, they absolutely Detroit didn't even belong on the same ice surface with the jets over those final two periods. It's just when you bury yourself in a three, nothing hole to kick things off. You can certainly see that. And, and Buffalo, like they, if you want to trade chance with Buffalo, they will tear you apart. You want to go gun, run and gun. That's how they're playing. I don't know if it's really a great system to be a playoff team, but man, it's a lot of fun and, and good for Buffalo because oh. All the years of misery they've had, there's at least some sign. And, and talking with Rasmus Dahlin, he just said it's fun to come to the rink again. And here's a guy where you're looking against drafted first overall. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, is he going to stay in Buffalo? Is this going to be another Jack Eichel leaving town kind of thing? And now he's having fun. And they're really dangerous, and they're going to be dangerous down the road here. So um, you can understand where that went. My favorite part, guys, um, Don Granado, the head coach of the Sabres, said afterwards, Connor Hellebuck looked like a sumo wrestler with athleticism. Like that's yeah. <laughs> that's one of my favorite quotes of the year about Connor Hellebuck. So it there, it just seems like whatever message the coaching staff, if something happens in a game, it, it's rectified the next one. It doesn't seem like there's a long drawn out stretch of two or three games where the Jets get out of the system, don't play ways. It just seems like the coaches have okay, we got to do this, and it gets fixed. So that is the accountability that they said that, you know, many players said that we all felt there had to be some accountability. There is accountability in that dressing room right now. And the fact that they recover so quickly after an mm. off night just speaks to how well this is going right now with the coaching staff, the message is being received and the players are, are sending that message to one another too. So if it's not one line one night, it's another one. If it's, you're not getting offense from your forwards, the defense jump in the play, like, you, you know, you got 25 goals from your defense. He had 24 last year. There's just so many places where Rick Bonus said we have to prove on this, and it's happened. So that's a credit to the players. The coaching staff work long, long, hard hours, but the players have to execute, and they have done so. And I think we should all be pretty happy about watching this team and feeling good about their chances as the season continues. Well, and speaking of executing, Jamie, I mean, uh, this is we're going to go back a little further, but to the Tampa game a couple Fridays yeah. ago. And to me, that was a great test against another top team in the league. And often when teams like that go at it, uh, you know, if it's somewhat equal at five on five, there's no big winner. I mean, it comes down to special teams. And that was a game that the Winnipeg Jets both took advantage of uh, power plays and killed penalties. Well, as we've continued through this trip, and especially we've seen, we saw it yesterday in the first period. And the one time the Jets were somewhat in a bit of, a, 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 you know, a bit of trouble, yeah. so to speak, by game plan, you know, you're down four minutes early on in a game you probably should be up. I can't mm -hmm. say enough about this penalty killing unit. And often we focus on the power play because it makes the highlights, but this yeah. PK has become a part of the foundation of this hockey club. Connor Hellebuck's been a big part of that as well. David Riddick yeah. when he's in, but man, I can't say enough about the penalty killers and how they continue to keep the Winnipeg jets in the game to give them the opportunity to make a play and get back on the right side of the scoreboard. Right. And if you, if you watch the jets PK, they don't over pursue and they're not going for the big hit to take themselves out of the play. They just stay within structure. And whenever there's a bobble of the puck, they're on the guy. So it, that part's been really neat to watch. And you, you even think of the Euler game, 
you know, you're up against the number one power play and like, like two and a half minutes left and the Oilers are on the power play with a one goal lead. You hold on there, you shut out Calgary, you blank the Canucks power play, you you shut down the the um, Tampa Bay Lightning power play in the Buffalo game. They're five for five, the PK in that one. And then you, you were right, Huss. The Jets kind of, the Coyotes were pushing and they got that double minor and the Jets blind and shut them down too. And I know the Coyotes power play isn't one of the most powerful ones, but the point is it was a critical point in the game where you're down a man for four minutes and you only give up one really good scoring chance. That's been the big difference. And we often get asked about Connor Hellebuck, what's going on with him? Well, the Jets aren't giving up the grade A scoring chances like they really were for a long time last year. And yes, he Hellebuck's raised his play a bit, well, actually a lot, um, but it's, he's got a lot of help, in particular on the power play. Kevin Stenlin has gone has been a tremendous addition. Like that's going to be, I think there's he'll be the tough one when everybody's healthy. I just don't see there's a way where Kevin Stenlin comes out of the lineup because he's just a big body up the middle. He's good in the faceoff circle and he kills penalties well. So that's really tough to take out of the lineup. So, you know, we, we're hearing good news that Mason, you know, Mason Appleton's coming on this trip coming up. He's not playing, but he's going to be practicing with the team. That's great news. Logan Stanley is going to be practicing with the team on this road trip as well. So man, like they're, they're, they're getting closer and closer to being fully healthy and then some tough decisions to have to be, have to be made coming up. But those are some good, tough decisions that you want it, that the, you want the coaching staff to have to make. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you're Appleton or Stanley, when you get back into the lineup at some mm. point, I mean, the onus is going to be on you on you to show that yeah. you're better than the guys that have been doing the job up until this point, And the bar totally. has absolutely been raised. Speaking of player moves, Billy Hanel is recalled. Um, I think his sending back to the moose was almost a numbers thing just because yes, of the sickness. They wanted to get yeah. Jansen Harkins up just in case. Um, so yeah. he's back. Rick bonus was pretty clear. He was going to get him into the games last week. Then he was sick and obviously everything yes. that happened. Um, how do you think we see the defense used and you know, who will be in, who will be out over the course of the next five games, the teams away from uh, Canada life center. Yeah, I think that it will really certainly to me, hustle it was probably going to be to Dylan Sandberg and, and Billy Hanler, right? You're not going to take out Nate Schmidt. There's that that's not going to happen. So in the games where I think it was going to be more wide open, less hard checking, I think Billy's going to get some chances, but Dylan Sandberg, man, like he, he's been tremendous the shot blocking. He blocked a shot in Buffalo. He said he caught it right between the elbow pad and his glove. And he said he couldn't feel his arm for a little bit. So that speak, and he stayed out on the ice and killed the penalty afterwards for a good 30 seconds. So he's played well, but Billy's going to get his chance. And to Billy Hanlon's credit, the last three games, I think he's looked pretty good. And that is a testament to his maturity. He hasn't sulked. Yes, it's been tough going, you know, doing the old yo-yo thing up and down from the American Hockey League, watching from the press box. But when he's been in the lineup, he's produced. So um, that that's that speaks to Billy getting uh, mentally stronger, um, maturing, and uh, you have to give him a lot of credit for that because uh, we've really liked his game the last, you know, the Jets coaching staff, Paul and I have really enjoyed his play too as well. So, and I think a lot of fans have too as well. So full credit to Billy Hanela for the, the the last three games that he's appeared in for the Jets. You know, JT, I hadn't thought about this too much until this morning, but yeah, we're going to Montreal. No, <laughs> no, you're a great commissioner. Uh, all your okay. commissioner duties were top notch this year. We're all thank good. You. Thank you, uh, thank you. And then, of course, the trip to Toronto, which happens once a year. Yes, it's going to be yeah. really interesting to see how this team is covered from yeah. outside of this market, considering yeah. what they've done so far. And I really sort of feel like this is this story of the Jets this year has been somewhat under the radar. Mm -hmm. in most places outside of Winnipeg. And I've got a feeling that that is going to change over the course of these next few days. 
Yeah. And this time they're going to Toronto. It won't be on the backside of a back-to-back too, right? They, they played in Buffalo last year and then Kyle Connor and Nate Schmidt both got COVID. So there wasn't, those two players were out of the lineup when they last played the Leafs in Toronto. So a little bit different. You, you, you got a day off where, well, there's a practice day in between in Toronto before you take on the Leafs on Thursday. So that's a, that is a huge monumental matchup, but I'm sure Rick bonus and company are saying, let's focus on the Montreal Canadiens, but really hard, especially with so many guys from like, Cole Perfetti's had a ton of family coming. First time he's played in Toronto as a pro. There's a lot of guys who are going to be pretty excited to go back to Toronto this time. And um, so that, that game's certainly on the calendar, but uh, let's get the Montreal Canadiens out of the way and see how that game goes. And always, yeah. yeah, Montreal is always a handful too, right? Those, those games have always been high event um, games, especially in, in Winnipeg, this one in Montreal this time around. You know what's going to be high event? What? The media strong, uh, the media throng around Pierre Luc Dubois. What's the over under on French and English reporters that want to hear from number eighty over the next forty eight hours? I think Pierre Luc Dubois is going to speak a lot of French over the next 20, 36 to forty eight hours. So, uh, and I'm sure he's fine with that. But yeah, there's there's that, and there's you know going to Toronto. It's all about that stuff. But man, yeah, Pierre Luc Dubois is going to be a very and you know, the rumors will start flowing again. But man, the way he's been playing right now, I'm sure Kevin Chevaldeoff and company are doing everything they can to figure out how that's going to work out. Right. Cause uh, he has been a load to deal with. And uh, it's not so much the Montreal media, the Montreal Canadians better be aware of Pierre-Luc Dubois because the way he's been playing right now with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. Well, I'm sure the Habs and their fans would be more than happy at seeing just uh, exactly what's been happening. Continue happening because the, yes. these two teams have very different goals this season, Jamie. I know what the Winnipeg Jets are doing and it's quite different in Montreal. Yeah. That being said, as Carver far as done. As, as far as Pierre-Luc Dubois goes, um, for a young guy that's keeping all his options open, he couldn't be doing more to help his case, whatever his future is with the way he's playing this year. And, mm-hmm. man, it's hard not to look at his spot in the lineup with everything he does in both ends with the way that he's connected with Kyle Connor. Now, the addition of Nikolai Ehlers, uh, that's a that's a very difficult guy to replace, but that's also a guy that pretty much every team in the league would uh, be salivating and thinking about spending some time in the uh, middle of their forward group. You know, another thing I like about Pierre-Luc Dubois is the way he sticks up for his teammates. Like when Nikolai Ewers cut in front of the uh, Coyotes net last night and Nick Ritchie kind of got a stick up in his face, there was Pierre-Luc Dubois, like right in his face. Like there's and his physicality and the, the fact that he just will not go down uh, he's so good with the puck and his stick. There's, there's a, he's really elevated his game this year. And this is the guy the Jets were hoping for when they traded Patrick Line and Jack Roslevic to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, it's really hard to even go even further ahead and, and explain to, you know, how other, how many other ways can we say how great he's been this year? Um, and it's just, I'm clear, no doubt in my mind, he's going to shatter all his personal highs this year and his goals, assistant points but it's all about wins right now. And he's a big part of what the jets are doing. And it's, it's, it's because of him guys and Mark Shifley and Adam Lowry that the jets survived all those injuries. The, the fact they had a lot of injuries, but none of them were up the middle. And that's where the jets really kept us together. I believe. Oh, listen, right down the middle, those three individuals, Connor Hellebuck and net. And yeah. you know, again, we've spent a lot of time talking about the defense core this year and um, you know, how competitive it is at the bottom. But I mean, Josh Morrissey, continues to be the straw that stirs the drink yeah. on the back end for uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Should be a real, real fun week. What do you guys have planned? You're obviously going to be doing the games, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Jet social media and uh, the website uh, probably will have quite a bit for Jet fans to follow throughout this uh, road trip. 
Yeah, I'm sure Runway's got a couple of documentaries uh, worked up for Sarah Lesky's done a great job on those. Uh, the last one they had for Sam Gagne's thousandth game was fantastic. Oh, it was awesome. so, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, anybody has kids, so you realize how crazy it is in your your house every morning and just all the people that like Dave Gagne and the and the suite, like there's just the sticks. Everything the Jets organization did is, you know, I think it was, you get chills thinking about it because Sam Gagne has only been here not even half a year and he was treated like a king that night and he deserves it. Thousand games is a, is a, is a huge milestone for any player and um, a massive amount of respect to, to True North for the job they did and commending that and certainly the documentary that came afterwards. Well, we'll look forward to checking that out and hopefully uh, plenty of coverage over uh, some more uh, wins and uh, two more points in the standings. Do you think, do you, think you can stop William Nylander? Um, do you think you can slow down Austin Matthews? Um, can you slow down this leaf power play? How is that going to get done? Is that well, even possible? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe miracles can happen. Um, hey, the Arizona Coyotes beat them a little earlier, so yeah. we'll see. It's yeah. going to be a real yeah. fun uh, week, though. Montreal, sure. then Toronto before they continue it. JT, thanks for taking the time. Travel safely, and uh, we'll talk to you when you get back to the peg. You, you bet, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, great stuff with uh, JT Hammer coming up in just a second. He is all ready to go. Uh, but, man, great turnout. Jet fans pretty fired up where the club is right now. If you haven't already, folks, hit that red subscribe button. Make sure you're subscribed to uh, WST. For any newbies out here, great to have you with us. Live Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And when you subscribe to the channel, completely free, of course. Um, if you're not able to join us live... Just get to your YouTube and uh, you'll have the freshest Winnipeg Sports Talk content uh, there for you when you're able to watch it. And, of course, shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. Make sure you've subscribed in your favorite podcast feed as well. And while you're at it, YouTubers, hit that thumbs up. Let's get some uh, let's get some thumbs up for the first place Winnipeg Jets. How about that? Right there. Just hit the thumbs up. Um, all right. Before we get to Hammer, I was mentioning how beautiful this weekend was and... Uh, how many million people were on the uh, on the river trail? Uh, if you're thinking about doing that but don't have skates, you need to pop down to Royal Sports. I was talking to the fellows on the weekend. They've got a great selection of more casual skates. Um, listen, you don't need a pair that's going to you know be high performance like Pierre-Luc Dubois wears in an NHL game. Um, you need something comfortable can allow you to participate and Royal sports has some great options right now with some more casual and less expensive skate options. If you've been looking for head on down to 750 Pembina highway to check those out and then get out and make the most of our winter while you're at it. You can check out that incredible hockey um, section, the biggest and best in town and all sorts of your favorite licensed merchandise from the Winnipeg jets, the Winnipeg blue bombers, National Football League with playoffs going. We'll talk a little NFL a little later on with Dave Naylor joining us on the pro today. Raptors, Blue Jays, international soccer and more. And check out that Yeti section they have as well. Um, particularly if you're planning on doing things outside, you might want a nice high-end thermos to keep whatever you're drinking hot. Yeti has got you covered. It's all there at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And check them out on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Um, and hey, as we get into 2023, fellas, I know many of you are thinking about upgrading your wardrobe. And if you uh, 
if you are in the in the market, there's only one place to go for the best prices in town and the best looking suits custom made for you. And that is F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Andrew and his great staff will there for you. The entire process is an absolute breeze. Get a few measurements, pick out your styles, fabrics that you want to go with. And then a couple weeks later, you've got a beautiful custom suit made to fit for you. At a great price from F Apparel. Their custom suits begin at just $400. Custom shirts, pants as well, and all sorts of accessories. Everything you need to up your game in 2023 is at F Apparel. And if you're in a wedding party or have a 2023 grad in the family, talk to them about great specials for both wedding parties and 2023 grads. They're online at F, that's ephapparel.com. Make an appointment there as well or pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street. And hey, the weekend, or at least the football weekend, not entirely over just yet. Super Wild Card Weekend finishes up tonight with a Monday nighter, the last Monday nighter of the year. Cowboys, Buccaneers, Brady, Dak. We'll get to that later on. Um, but if you're a big Monday night football guy like I am, make the most of one final Monday nighter. Head on down to Boston Pizza. Check out those ice-cold schooners, delicious wings, the new spicy jalapeno popper dip on the holiday menu, carbonara pizza, and more. It's all there for you. And hey, if you can't make it out, you're staying home tonight. You can still get the great taste of Boston Pizza just in time for the big game by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, lots more Jets news to get to and discuss with Jeff Hamilton, including a look ahead to um, what's going to be happening around Pierre-Luc Dubois and the conversations on Dubois' future as the Jets head to Montreal. Let's welcome the hammer in now to continue on WST. What's going on? How are you? How was your weekend? Us, what's good? Uh, yeah, weekend was great, man. Weather was awesome. Checked out, uh, did some walking in the Sunboyan Forest, did a few different kind of outdoor activities, pretending it was... Uh, you know, and you know, well, not pretending it was a nice climate. So overall, pretty, pretty good weekend. And, um, you know, after being on your show the last two weeks, feeling like absolute garbage, uh, I can, I can report that I'm feeling good, ready to work. And, uh, my three week vacation is over and starts with today. I'm heading to Montreal for the, for the start of the season long five game road trip. How was your weekend? Uh, it was great. I mean, listen, it started off uh, very well watching that hockey game on Friday night. I, I, listen, I mean, I know we had that uh, Coyotes game yesterday. I, I still can't get over just how thoroughly the Jets whooped on Pittsburgh, considering the situation, considering how they played, frankly, against Buffalo and Detroit earlier on that trip. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I mean, we saw Rick Bonus as happy as he's been all season after that game, and for very good reason. Um, and now, Jeff, I mean, we've got a first-place team, not just in the Central, but in the conference, heading out to Montreal and Toronto this week. Um, how'd we get here? Pretty wild, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> we can recap the whole season. I mean, we talked about getting through the growing pains early on, surviving some of those games, being bailed out by some of those games by Connor Hallebach, but still more than treading water. And when you can get through your growing pains with success and then you actually get to the other side and you start building and you start seeing, you know, major improvements and major, you know, consistency levels of consistency that we really haven't seen with this team for years. Um, good things are going to happen. And I mean, I really, I mean, that's the simplified version. When you look at the adversity the Jets have gone through, the injuries they've gone through, the depth they've tested, the, their, their action on the waiver wire, 
they've done a lot of great things to to again more than just survive you know they've been put in a lot of situations where had they just treaded water i think a lot of people would have understood they've not only treaded water they've they've you know made their way to the top of the pool here um and are looking down on on quite a few good teams and i mean it's it's kind of a wacky west if you if you ask me i mean you look at some of the predictions early on um, obviously, you look at you know teams like the Colorado Avalanche, who aren't doing nearly as good as what people imagined. You look at a team like the Winnipeg Jets, who uh, you know myself included had them clinging to a bubble playoff spot. Well, you know we we've gone through all these milestones early on in the season, right? The American Thanksgiving. If you're in the playoffs by American Thanksgiving, the percentages suggest you're going to be there. Well, okay got to that point the jets were in prime position if not leading the central very close to the top of the central fighting with dallas and now we we hit the midway mark of the season and the jets passed the midway mark of the season and the jets are leading the western conference and their and their confidence is high and and you're seeing improvements in all areas of the ice you're seeing incredible you know bounce back season from connor hellebuck who under his standards last year probably weren't met. I mean, it wasn't bad, but he wasn't as good as we've seen him this year. We're seeing a defense is finally, not finally, but ultimately being activated. I don't know if anyone would have imagined this defense playing the offensive roles that we've seen this season. Obviously, the top of that list is Josh Morrissey, but you're even seeing guys like Dylan DeMello chip in, Dylan Sa- Sandberg recently, uh, Neil Pionk, you know, you have Nate Schmidt. I mean, these guys are, they're given free range to join the rush. Um, and I think that's, I, mean, I was talking about this on Kenny and Rennie last night. I think that's really opened up, or, uh, you know, opened up the game for this team. And, and what I mean by that is it's taken some of the pressure off the forwards because how many times have you seen a D-man lead the forecheck? It's almost, it's almost, you know, it seems like almost 50% on some nights because you have the forwards who might be caught in a position to dish it off to a D-man. They can fill in a role. It's this game flow that Rick Bonus has brought to this team that's just been so impressive to me. And, of course, you have, you know, the, the weapons up front. You're getting great seasons from Mark Shifley, from Pierre-Luc Dubois, from Kyle Connor, from Cole Perfetti, from Nikolai Ehlers now that he's back. And, I mean, this... From Blake of- Wheeler, too. Let's not Blake forget Wheeler, about Wheeler. Yeah, Wheeler. Yeah, I thought I even mentioned him. He would be in the top of that list, you know, getting great seasons from them. And But the most important part is, is they're getting good seasons from them. They're getting consistent seasons from them. It's no longer Pierre-Luc Dubois takes over one game and the Jets win, or Kyle Connor takes over one game, or one line takes over one game. You're getting consistent effort from the top six, consistent production from the top six, and you're getting depth scoring unlike we've seen on this team. So it's all coming up jets. And when you look at all those things and combine them, there's absolutely no shocker or surprise where they are, even though, you know, again, I'm putting myself in that group would have never imagined we'd be talking about game 44 or whatever we're heading here. Um, with the Jets on top of not just the Central Division, but the Kings of the West right now. Well, uh, it, it was just a quick uh, pit stop back at home for that game last night against the Coyotes. And now off for the longest road trip of the season, five games, heading out east, north of the border. Of course, the first game tomorrow in Montreal. Uh, I joke with Jamie what the over-under was on uh, French and English reporters surrounding Pierre-Luc Dubois tomorrow. But um, what are you mm-hmm. expecting for... Dubois, like before we get to the game, um, let's face it, this was a huge topic here on this program, certainly in Quebec over the offseason. Nothing has really changed other than Pierre-Luc Dubois is having a career year and a huge part in a team that comes into tomorrow night's game in first place in the West. 
you know what I'm expecting is I don't think there's a better guy to handle this kind of scrum than Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, I mean, he's a young guy, but he's a confident guy. He doesn't shy away from everything. He's honest. So I think you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a lot. We know exactly what you're going to get tomorrow. I mean, you're going to get a guy who is talking about being a Winnipeg Jet and how much, you know, how much, how much Montreal and the, the province of Quebec means to him, right? This is his, this is where he grew up. Right. I mean, you, you're not going to sacrifice your feelings for your home province just to, you know, just because some people are asking you about, you know, what your future looks like with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, at this point in time, I mean, you're, you you got to imagine he's not even thinking about that. His, his focus is on being the best player he can be. I mean, his goal of being a 200 foot defensive forward, power forward, you know, dream for any team, um, whether that be the Canadians or the Jets or, or, or anyone else. Um, that's his focus. So I think he's going to take, I think he's going to take the questions relatively lightheartedly. I, you know, I think he's going to laugh at some, you know, suggestions about where he's going to be. And, you know, I think he's going to talk openly about and honestly about the life of being an NHL hockey player, much like he did leading into this season. And that, you know, you're, he's a young guy. He's got a lot of years ahead of him. He's got to make a decision based on his family and his future and all these things. That's every single player. It's just going to be, you know, magnified because, He's in Montreal and and because of what happened in the offseason with his agent and talking about, you know, speculation, just about enjoying Montreal. Look, I thought, you know, I, I'm in the camp that thought that all that stuff in the offseason was overblown. I just thought it was, you know, I, I mean, it was a little cheeky with the with, with, with the with the um, certainly with the uh, with the agent and just even bringing it up when you're under contract and you're a restricted free agent and you don't have control right now of where you're going to go, but you have control of where you where you're going to go in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, that's, it makes for an interesting, an interesting soap opera drama, if you will. But I think at this point, I mean, you also have to take into consideration what was going on with the Winnipeg jets at that moment. They didn't have a coach. They were, they were, they missed the playoffs by 10 points. You know, Pierre Dubois gave everything last year for this team. I mean, he could have been, I think if you would have put a C on a player last year uh, for how consistent somebody was in their play and their attitude and their approach, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois was right at the top. So you can't say he gave up on the Jets. If anything, there were a lot of examples um, outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I think, you know, it is an interesting situation. I do think it, you know, it certainly warrants a scrum. It warrants talking about his future because that's what people want to know. And it's a juicy story. And that's, you know, people are always going to flock to that, but I, you know, you know, just, that's all just a roundabout way of saying, I think it's going to come and go. He's going to answer the questions. We're going to talk about it for 24, 36 more hours. Um, and then the next time something comes up or he's in Montreal or Montreal's in town, it will be the next time we bring it. Well, up. the topic but, um, certainly isn't going away around here because I think, as we all know, he's got the rest of this season and the jets have control for one more year for mm-hmm. Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, if last summer was somewhat overblown, the, the importance of Pierre-Luc Dubois to this team has only increased, in my opinion, over the course of this season. So where are we right now with Pierre-Luc Dubois and his future? I mean, I certainly want to believe that this season, the success that the team is having, the atmosphere around it, the personal success he's having with Kyle Connor, all would maybe, and I think logically you would say they would improve the chances of him sticking around, but... I mean, you could go from a 1% chance to a 5% chance. It's improving. Right. It's still not very high. I mean, when you look at this situation, big picture for both the Jets, where they are as a team and Pierre-Luc Dubois, 
Um, how do you see this playing uh, playing out, particularly from the Jets' perspective, where, in my opinion, you need to know what's happening going into next season because he's just too big of an asset considering what you've given out to get him here to let him walk for nothing. But he's also such a huge part of why you're winning hockey games right now. It's a great question. And I imagine if you're from Pierre-Luc Dubois camp, I don't think you're even talking right now, right? I mean, you're not, you're just focused on this season. I think the jets are going to get a lot of answers in the off season, right? I mean, I think we as, you know, reporters and of course fans are going to get a lot of answers two after this offseason depending on how long he signs for if he signs for one year then it becomes you know it becomes an automatic storyline all season long as ultimately he'd be marching his way to unrestricted free agency and so this is the this is the way i always viewed it with with just how last season went (coughs) excuse me just how last season went with pierre dubois was i felt this year the jets were almost in a lose-lose situation um, which isn't a great situation. And why I, th- why I thought that was, okay, so say they bring in a new coach. The coach is able to rally the troops and get them to a great spot, which is exactly what we're seeing with Rick Bonus and the Jets here. Um, and Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, shines under the new coaching, which I think is what we're seeing. I mean, we Rick Bonus has had conversations with, I imagine, every single player, but particularly his top guys. We know the conversation he had with Josh Morrissey about how he can be more offensive and how he can be one of the best defensemen in this league. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of that this year. We're definitely seeing him move towards that direction, much like we're seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois become, as I mentioned before, that 200-foot power forward that he wants to be. Um, and that's what he's being encouraged uh, by Rick Bonus to become, and we're seeing that this season. We're seeing him. He's going to probably absolutely rock his his previous highs and goals and, and assists and points this year. He's playing a great defensive game, as we heard Rick Bonus talk about after the, the Arizona game, about, yes, he's at 20 goals this year, but it's his defensive game that's underrated and whatever. That is, If you can become that player, you are going to be very, very, very expensive and sought after. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois is the new, the new era power forward. And so the lose-lose situation was if the Jets were to, you know, shit the bed for lack of a better term sorry for my language but i think he would be gone for sure so that was the zero percent chance of him coming but then to your point has about the one percent to five percent who knows what that increase is but the only chance you had of you have of retaining him or signing him long term is if he can get better here but then you deal with the issue here that if he gets better here you might want to check you know he might want to test unrestricted free agency i mean I brought this up with Kenny and Rennie last night. Remember, remember Mike, Michael Froelich, like a few years ago, and he was becoming a paying free agent. And he was just scrumming, and he told us all that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to hit unrestricted free agency. He was still a member of Jets. There's still lots to talk, you know, still lots of games to play. That's what every single player thinks of. And I mean, yeah, but they what, don't always go to it. I mean, the bottom line is the onus is on the club to make an the, offer that says, so, "Hey, listen, exactly, this is the right spot for you." We know the Winnipeg Jets don't have Mark Shifley as a barometer anymore. The salary cap is going up. You can't look at Pierre Dubois and go, "Look, this is what we're paying." You know, Mark Shifley, like you know, we'll pay you a couple million more. They're going to have to do something they've never done in the twelve years that the Jets have been back, and that's pay a, a double digit a year player. They're becoming yeah, it's called inflation. I mean, you're in the abs- National Hockey absolutely, League. Absolutely, yeah. but the Jets haven't been known to do that. The other part, too, is, yes, there's players that don't go test free agency, but Pierre-Luc Dubois has been open about being a 24-year-old kid and about this next deal determining his future. 
where he's going to live, where he's going to raise a family, all these things that are incredibly important to players. And it's falling at a time where if you look at a lot of the other guys who sign, whether it be Nick Ehlers, whether it be Mark Shifley, whether it be all, you know, guys who, who signed long-term deals, they were young. I don't even know if they were, they were probably thinking, I don't know if I could be in this league long-term and I want to sign and get some money here so I can start making big dollars, not about your family, right? So as young as Pierre-Luc Dubois is, he's still a little bit older and having some of those serious, and we all know his interest in, you know, his fashion, all these things, there's all these things that come into play. And, it, and you know, I know people hate, I think Winnipeg's a great spot. I think Winnipeg has a ton of opportunity here as far as being a good team, especially under Rick Bonus now. And that will be a fascinating part of it to see if there's a Rick Bonus effect of Pierre-Luc Dubois. All those things are in place and there's a lot of benefit. There's people who love hockey here. People want to play in a hockey mad city. That's kind of a double-edged sword, but there is positives to it for sure. I just think in this situation, he's going to entertain the idea of, you know, max money, you know, only can get max term from the Jets, obviously, that eighth year. So that's pretty important. That could be an incentive too. I just, for this guy, I just feel, I just have a gut feeling. I know fans don't want to hear it, but I think he's going to be the hardest out of all three players to bring back, uh, you know, once his contract's done here. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, I guess of all three players, I mean, you could certainly make that argument, but I don't necessarily think that it's a, an insurmountable challenge. And in fact, I'll point out as much as, I mean, you know, people want to point out, hey, they're going to have to go more than they've gone for before. Well, yeah, guess what? That's hap- that, That's the natural progression of salaries, the increase of the cap and the value of a player. Um, but I will say this, um, you know, you also want to succeed. You also want to win. Like, I'm not sure that the better fashion in Montreal or whatever, I mean, some of those intangibles around it is going to be the, the what what makes his decision for him. I think this is going to be a professional decision. And I'll say this, uh, you know, I've said this a million times this season, the success that he's having personally right now, the connection with Kyle Connor, the fact that they're winning, the fact that this team you know, dare I say, might be capable of some pretty special things come the spring, um, would all trump all of that as long as the money's there. And from a Jets perspective, and this doesn't matter whether we're talking about Dubois or we're talking about Connor Hellebuck, the number, you know, the two most important things on Kevin Sheveldayoff's to-do list, um, Mm -hmm. you know, much like they've done before in successfully signing and re-signing so many of their important players, they're going to have to come to the table with not only a plan, but compensation that makes those players say, you know what? It is worthwhile doing that. I'm not sure they get to that point with Dubois. The one thing I do know, or I certainly believe is that they better find out sooner as opposed to later. And because you don't want this being a story a year from now going into potentially a trade deadline on a, what you know could very well be another very good contending team next year. And then run yourself the risk of, being left holding the bag for nothing at the end of the season. One, I think there's two options here. I think there's, you find out, I think you're like, whether they say it or not, they're going to get a damn good idea this summer. hundred you know, percent. Everything he said there certainly makes a ton of sense and bodes well for, you know, the idea of re-signing him, right? The Kyle Connor connection. There's absolutely no doubt. There's production here, right? I mean, I also think guys who, you know, our top end players believe they can make any team better. Right. You know, they they feel they can go to any club and, and, and be that asset or whatever or help turn around a club or whatever. I don't think this guy's going to, you know, a bottom feeder necessarily. And you look at Montreal and yeah, that's going to have a lot of, you know, obviously that's going to have a lot of appeal to a guy like 
like Pierre-Luc Dubois or whatever, but they're building something too. They're not good, but they're going to be good in a couple of years based on their picks. Um, but the two situations based on this summer is I could see one of two things happening. Pierre-Luc Dubois being traded in the summer because if you're going to, you know, because if you're, if you're going to sign him and keep him, so it's either being traded in the summer or signing him to one more year and, and likely holding on to him for the year. And I know that's not a popular, you know, I know people might be yelling at their computers right now. Those are the two options I see with the Jets. I just don't see how you get an answer from Pierre-Luc Dubois this, this summer. And if it, do, if it results in a, another year deal, you have your answer. Um, how you don't trade him at that point in time to build for what will be, a, you know, what's, what, what I imagine is going to be another good year for the Winnipeg Jets. Um and get pieces back and get assets back or whatever it might look like. Um, or you sign them. And if you're playing well, you're not, are you really going to get rid of Pierre-Luc Dubois at the trade deadline? If you're leading the Western conference again, or you're a Stanley cup contender. So I think those are probably your two options. And if you're, if you're coming from a perspective of, you, you know, you don't want to, you know, if you don't think you're going to sign him, I don't know how you don't or how you go into next year with him without thinking, okay, if things go really well, I don't think you're going to ditch them at the deadline. You're going to keep them for an extra. No, you have to be prepared to do that. And I mean, that's sort of why I think that, you know, in the best interest of the organization, they get some clarity this summer one way or the other and make that decision. But I'll tell you what, I mean, say this team, you know, continues playing the way they are and maybe they don't win the cup, but they win a couple rounds. They're they're right in basically a, a season similar to 17, 18. It does make it that much harder to move off, especially when you look at the time frames of the other players that are with the hockey club. And, you know, it's probably pretty hard to have the Dubois conversation without having the Hellebuck conversation, because to be honest, there's very many similarities, certainly with the term and the level of importance to the team. I still maintain Hellebuck's number one, mm-hmm. but Dubois, especially with his age and the value that he has in the NHL is a very, very close one B. Absolutely. So like not to bring up Kenny or any for the third time, but we were asking yesterday or they're at, we were talking yesterday about, you know, prioritizing players and what goes into prioritizing players and what that means. And I kind of gave two answers. I kind of gave the ones where, you know, if I had the GM hat on and I don't, and I don't, you know, um, what I would do, I'd prioritize Hellbuck for sure first. And I'd probably prioritize, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois second, right? As you mentioned, one B because he's 24 years old. He's 24 years old. I mean, you sign him an eight-year deal. He's still going to be good by the end of that eight-year deal. Mark Scheifele, who's having a terrific season this year and, and, and as well becomes a third because he's older and he'll want that long-term deal. He doesn't want to sign a five-year deal. He'll want to sign his last, his last contract, I imagine. And, but the other part is, this is what I think the Jets are going to do based on getting information and obviously this is my prediction of where you know the the likelihood of them signing i think mark shifley becomes a priority i think that's what i think that's what i why just because i think he's the most likely to to return i just think he's the most likely to sign i think you're gonna be but that doesn't change the priorities i mean you might think you got a better chance of signing it well no kidding he's 31 he's coming off an eight-year contract of course. Again, I I'm not saying they should. My list was, but my, I mentioned my list before, which I think is again. I'm not saying the Jets are going to prioritize him over. I think the situation is going to lead into a, an extension with Mark Shifley. The sales pitch being, you know, this is, you know, you can be 
the next Dale Howardchuk here, right? You can be the legacy guy. You can be the Steve Eiserman of, you know, the guy, the guy that that Mark Shifley grew up adoring here in Winnipeg. You're the first draft pick. It's a great know? romantic You're, story and everything. I but get, does it help I'm you win more saying, hockey games okay, in the future? Okay, but here's here's the thing. Do you my this is built on, you know, the idea that Connor Hellebuck goes in and talks with the Jets and says, look, you know, love my time here. You know, I really appreciate it and all that stuff. I have a young child. I'm American. I want to move to the States. I want to raise my kids there, yada, yada, yada. Those kind of things. Those things come into play. Again, I'm not I'm not. All the Jets have done is re-sign Americans. Like, is that really a... Well, what do you mean, re-sign Americans? I mean, Blake Wheeler signed two extensions here. He's raised his family here. Dustin Absolutely. Dufflin re up I, again, here. I Kyle Connor re here. Which, which is a great counterpoint. I'm just telling you the vibe. This is just gut, Huss. I'm not telling you what I'm. what's going to happen. I just think it's going to be a challenge for a guy who, you know, has shown signs in the past of, you know, liking his country and, and joint. You know, I think he would just, he would benefit from it. You know, he might even think he'd benefit from a change of scenery. He was really upset with the you know, with the, with the, the COVID stuff and the border changes and everything that plays into a lot of players decisions. It's not just Americans, Canadians too. Canadians also have that issue. Right. So I'm just going based off that thinking, I'm just going off the basis that I think it's going to be incredibly tough to re-sign Connor Hellebuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois for different reasons. And therefore it will like, cause if you start going, if you start having conversations with Pierre-Luc Dubois and they're going nowhere and Mark Shifley's camp is being left alone and like, you might risk losing all three. And I'm just saying, I think the likelihood is probably a Mark Shifley signing because I think it's going to be very difficult um, to sign the other two. That's all. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I mean, listen, I, I think that if we were going to, you know, put a percentage or odds on the likelihood of those players or who would be, you know, more realistic to get and who done. was signing Blake Wheeler to that contract. Pardon me? When Blake Wheeler signed. When Blake Wheeler signed, who was signing Blake Wheeler to that contract? Was, what do you mean? You think he would have got that somewhere else? Or you think yeah, he would have got the, the yeah. power and influence that to he be, was for well, sure well, promised all the, in all Winnipeg? That, all that other stuff's a little different. He was already the captain. But, I mean, listen, he was coming off two 91-point seasons and had led the team – to be one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. Would he have oh, had yeah. that offer on the uh, somewhere else? Yeah, I think so. I Potentially, mean, maybe yeah. he got an extra 250 grand. It was a fascinating time frame, right? Because him and Mark Shifley, you know, when Mark Shifley signed his long-term deal, it was right at that time where things started to shift to pain. You know, it was still very much pain for what you've done, not pain for what you're going to do. And then I would argue that Blake Wheeler fell into that end of that end of that line. I'd say one of the last contracts where you got paid for what you did, not what you were going to do because the I'm mentality- not sure there's been any other example of a guy with the Winnipeg jets. That's really been quote unquote paid the paid back pay for a really good deal. I mean, you could make that argument with Wheeler, but I'll also make the argument that that was the going rate for a guy that had the two. Well, there's seasons nobody that else. Had. Yeah. guess what, Huss, you're about to get that in a year. They've signed all their entry-level first-round picks. They haven't been put in a situation like this. That's my point, is that is that when you sign Blake Wheeler to that contract, you know, that would, like I said, the, the NHL teams don't work like that anymore. So whether he's coming off two 91-point seasons, what, six years ago, whatever it was, um, he's coming off. When he signed the deal, though, the reason why I, mean. I bring that so when up. He signed, that's what I'm saying. When he signed that deal, fast forward to today, 
If you if he was coming off two 91-point seasons right now and was the same age, the Jets probably wouldn't be offering him that deal that he got. It's too expensive because the, the NHL has shifted now because the guys who are coming off their entry-level deals are demanding more money and they warrant more money. So, like I'm saying, is that era when he signed that contract? I don't. You fast forward today. I don't think anyone's signing Blake Wheeler to the contract that he has now under the same circumstances, just because of how we've shifted. And it's it's the same logic as a Mark Shifley this year. You're talking about him being 31. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about a guy being older and and now getting paid. Like no, like that's going to be the challenge in signing Mark Shifley. Because and the reason why I think that Mark Shifley ends up with the Jets is because I don't think a lot of teams are going to throw eight years at Mark Shifley at that age. You know what I mean? They're going to, they might, because they need to be smarter with it and teams are already paying up to the cap. So you kind of get your best deal with your team where they can, you know, work the money around very rarely. And I don't know another example after Blake Wheeler, I'm sure there's some where guys have been that age and signed that kind of lucrative contract after that, that, and, and if there are, Teams are probably going what, you know, probably are are not loving their, you know, loving their their salary cap situation. So it's just it's just a fascinating shift, I think, in the NHL where unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, had it been like that, you know, at, at, at that era where you, you didn't get paid for what you were going to do, they'd be in a probably a probably a prime situation right now. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Is, I'm is. not sure. I see it that way. To be honest, I mean, I just think that the, I'm not. I don't even think the market has changed significantly, other than teams are recognizing correctly that the prime of these players' careers often is during the team control, and the agents are leveraging that to get more on that second deal, if you will. That you know what would have been the bridge contract, paying up getting unrestricted for unrestricted years involved in the deal, but getting that value throughout. I mean, you can look at all the Jets contracts, the Shifley deal, the Morrissey contract, the Ehlers contract, the Kyle Connor contract. I mean, they were all fair at the time, but it was also a bet on those players that they will continue to get fair at the time. They were fair at the time. If if those guys would sign right now, those same deals under the same circumstances, those contracts would be even, even more team friendly than they were viewed back then. That's the shift. The shift is you're not paying, you know, you're looking at Nikolai Ehlers. You're probably paying him more money when he signs that deal because of what he's going to do. If that's today, you're definitely signing. Nikolai Ehlers with a couple of years under his belt to bigger money than that. Kyle Connor is signing for big money, bigger money than he has now. If he comes off two 30 goal seasons and is coming into his third year and he has to sign an extension today, things have changed. Well, no there's been inflation. Those ridiculous veterans getting contracts over the summer for seven, $8 million or six years and getting two or three good years out of it. So the older guys are, are the ones getting screwed in this. And the guys who are young, who you know are going to play well. I mean, Clayton Keller kind of started the trend years ago when he signed that massive, yeah. you know, they, which yeah, they had to like, get to seemed, the cap and keep one player in the Coyotes. I know, but to see, <laughs> but, but at that point, a lot of people were like, Clayton Keller's getting paid that much money. Like, wow. Like as if the Coyotes are predicting this guy's going to be that good. That was like the start of the, of the, you know, entering into giving guys seven plus million dollar contracts you know, as, as relatively like not rookies, but, but young players in the league, you'd have to used to have to sign a moderately. Okay. One prove it to yourself. And then, and then at the end of that, 
you know, four or five year deal. You signed a massive, you know, your career long thing. Well, that doesn't exist anymore because teams know that the bread and butter of their organization are the younger guys and you want to get the nucleus in there. You don't want to have guys hanging around at 35, 36, 37 years old, making too much money and not being nearly as valuable to the roster with their paycheck. You know, the, the one thing, I mean, let's not forget, I mean, I, unless I'm mistaken, I mean, Kyle Connor signed that extension right out of his ELC. So, I mean, this yeah, is not, after two years not, of, 30, of 30 goals. Yeah. But I mean, again, we're still talking about the ELC. There wasn't that bridge deal where they then really had to prove it Kyle, and then they got it. Right. But Kyle, fair, but Kyle Connor's price tag today after back to back, if he would have had. This was his second year of 30 goals plus. He would be signing more than 7-7. Well, yeah. I mean, you could make that argument with any contract signed today as opposed to three years ago. That's, that's what just, I mean. I'm, that's but that's the, my point is it's shift. It's changed. The, the ideology has changed. Like, I think they got they got Mark Shifley on a darling deal. They used Mark Shifley's contract to get Kyle Connor on a relatively darling deal, right? And so I'm just saying, right, in that three-year, even in that three-year window, things have changed so much that you wouldn't get away with that anymore. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, listen, there's a risk on both sides. Um, you know, when guys decided, you know what, I'm signing for eight years. Like Mark, I mean, he was more than happy to take that money then. Then all of a sudden, when he had a couple great, like, great seasons, and was technically outperforming the contract, you can say, man, this guy's a great value. And you can also say, hmm, maybe we erred on the side of caution as opposed to being aggressive and doing a, a shorter deal and getting to unrestricted free, free agency. I'm sure the same thing's happening with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, but there's also the side of things that what if things didn't go as well for those players they're still they've got that security no matter what and that's the well that's given take what of you negotiating player that was what mark shifley weighed when he signed that mike babcock at the time called him one of the best centers in the national yeah. hockey league when he signed his deal like so i'm he, and mark shifley fired his agent over the deal that he signed because what mark shifley was looking at was like okay i'm finally starting up here i think there was a there had to have been some self-doubt, Mark Shifley, at that time, knowing that, okay, this is a lot of money. I'm a knee injury. You know, Mark Shifley went through a few seasons where he, where he was injured. He was saying, this is my security. And so he took a deal that I imagine, I, would, I bet you if you talk to his agent, he's probably telling him not to take that deal. It was a safe deal. It was a good paycheck, but it did not. And, it, and again, it came at a time where a lot of people were getting paid in and around that. You would have signed, if you would have been in negotiations a year or two years later, you would have seen some contracts that you could look at and go, okay, I'm a seven plus million dollar player. Pay me. I'm your future number one center. It fell at a perfect time. It was a perfect storm. And the Jets got hey, Mark Shifley on a perfect deal. Hey, I'll say happened. this. You know what? The more we have this conversation, I'm actually getting more optimistic because the one thing that we've just proved is the Winnipeg Jets and Larry Simmons and Chevy have been some of the best negotiators in the National Hockey League when it comes to doing their contracts over the last decade. And I'm not sure that that's changed. And uh, you know what? You deal with what the, the market forces are, but... Uh, they do have a great track record of getting track record of getting it done. That being said, this these two particular contracts, Dubois and Connor Hellebuck, could be the most challenging. But the more the team wins, I think. Uh, well, certainly the more interesting it gets, and the longer we can push these conversations off and talk about a big road trip for the club trying to stay in first place. Hammer, travel safely, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Always fun.
Yeah, man, always a good time. Uh, love getting it in, into it with you. I'll, I'll end it with this. I'll use a point that you said against it. You can, you're right. They won those deals. And guess who knows they won those deals? Both sides. So both sides are going to go into negotiations knowing that one side won the deal. And, that, and so I think that changes the, the dynamic enough. But you know what? We've been surprised before. We'll be surprised again. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe everything will just work out magically. And uh, you know what? I hope that for Jets fans. I don't think that the success that they've had in making good deals is going to hurt them going forward. And if anything, you don't think the negotiation they had with Mark Shifley is going to affect how they negotiate with Mark Shifley again. I'm not talking about the same situation as younger players. I'm talking about, to be honest, I'm not worried about that. Because you that is the said priority in the show. No, no. You were worried. I'm about worried it. about Pierre Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck. Okay, yeah. That so, like, okay, yeah. That that's the priority. That's what's and keeping with, me up at night. And with not, all, not and the listen, Mark Shifley contract. Shifley you wanted to trade Mark having, Shifley. Shifley's having an incredible season right now, and I mean, what he's doing for the Jets has been unbelievable. But I'll tell you what, um, a massive long-term legacy contract, as Chevy put it, for a 31 or 32-year-old player. I'm not sure is in the best interest of the franchise. So we'll see what happens. It's as not, I said, my priorities, my priorities are not with 55 as great as he's been this year. It's with 37 and it's with 80 and we'll be talking about it all week. Hammer, have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Your priorities should be bringing it every day and you do. So that's what, uh, that's, what's good. So we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk soon. Have fun with uh, Naylor coming up on the show later. Have fun with him. You got it. Thanks pal. See you later. Ooh, that was spicy for a Monday. That was a lot of fun chopping that up with Jeff Hamilton. Thumbs up, folks. Give us some likes for that one. I knew you were enjoying it. I could tell in the chat as we uh, had the conversation. All right, we're going to get Remus's take on all this. First up, though, I do want to give a big thanks to our friends at Princess Auto. Congratulations to all the teams. Tough one for Kerry Anderson's rink. Fell up short in the uh, Canadian Open Finals on the weekend. Um, but lots of great high-quality curling coming up. We will be covering that here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and all of our curling and bomber reports brought to you by our friends at Princess Auto. You know them well. Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new. Is it Princess Auto? Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. I know we're well into 2023 right now, uh, but many people think of making some changes in the new year to help them out. Easiest and simplest one is to drink more water. And you're thinking about water, you think of the water experts in Winnipeg and Manitoba, family-owned for over 65 years, and that, of course, is the folks at Culligan who have it all, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see the good folks at Culligan in person at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can also give them a call at 694-5180 or check out everything Culligan has for you, your family, or your business online at drinkculligan.com. And a big cheers to the Jets and cheers to our friends at Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, the iconic Canadian club, proud sponsors of WST and, of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And right now, in January, some great deals at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart, the biggest discount you'll see all season on Canadian Club 12-Year Reserve. There's also a new uh, new brand 
Rifle Rye that um, the Beam Suntory family has. That's also available at an introductory sale price right now. So make sure to check out Rifle and CC 12-Year Reserve on sale now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, I want to get Remo in here for a minute before we get to uh, Dave Naylor. Remo, you were... You were listening to all of that. What did you think of a, uh, a a really fun conversation with Jeff Hamilton? One that I think is honestly just starting in a lot, but it's more fun to focus on the wins right now and where the team's in the standings. But big picture, we knew that these next couple of years were very crucial. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, a fork in the road for the organization. Um, uh, what did you think about the back and forth there with uh, the two of us on Dubois in particular? Yeah, it was great. I really loved the conversation uh, that Jeff, he was having a similar one on Kenny and Rennie, and I think it's worth having. Um, you're going to have three guys who are key parts of this team in Dubois, Shifley, and Hellebuck, where contracts are coming up and after next season. What are you going to do with them? And um, I kind of lean... I. Like, who's the most important? You know, probably Dubois, because he's the youngest, I agree. Hellebuck, I'd be kind of weary signing him long-term just because he's a goalie. Well, I'm not denying that he's amazing right now, but you wonder how it ages. But it'll be hard to be like, hey, we don't need you. And they also don't have a goalie. Like, if Hellebuck goes, goes, who do they have? Probably, Let me ask you this. Yeah. Are you, would you rather sign a forward to a long-year contract or a goaltender at that age? Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I certainly don't see just because he's a goalie, it's more dangerous to do that, especially with the track record that he has. That's fair. That's a fair point too. Um, I don't know, man. That's that's a hard one. Yeah, twenty nine. He'll be what turning, be turning thirty in May. He'd be thirty. What thirty one when it goes up? Would you give him a seven year, like eight to ten million dollar contract? I don't. You don't have anyone to replace him. I think that would be the biggest concern. Where, oh, where he's you... ir- he's irreplaceable. And listen, yeah. I think it's going to take a Carey Price like contract to get Connor Hellebuck for whoever he's playing for next year, or well beyond the term of this deal. Uh, and he's certainly not doing anything to hurt his value so far this year. When he looks to be another Vesna Trophy finalist, and who knows, might win the damn thing again. Hey, Donnie boy, shout out to you in chat. Thanks very much for the super chat. The one thing that I just want to say around, and I don't want this to be taken negatively on Mark Shifley because Shifley's having just an absolutely monster season. But I mean, the reason why I say hell, I mean, I think Hellebuck's quite clear. Um, he is the biggest difference maker on this hockey club has been the backbone of it for a number of years. I think has absolutely proven that he is elite national hockey league, number one goaltender and one of the best in the game. And if he wasn't here, this team looks completely, completely different. So he is my, he's the priority. But, I mean, Dubois is such a unique package, and at his age, um, that's why he's a very close 1A or 1B to uh, to, to, um, to Helly. Mark Shifley's different, um, and Shifley's having a monster season right now, and if he wasn't here, it would be a big, big hole to fill. But I certainly think the risk on either of those other deals, as opposed to a big money extension for Shifley at his age, uh, I think that the Shifley deal would be far riskier. And to be perfectly honest, if the Winnipeg Jets drafted Mark Shifley, played him through his ELC, signed him to an eight-year extension, and he played upwards of a decade here and walked at the end of it, could live with that. I mean, there's sometimes some real tough decisions to make. For Dubois... At his age, with what he's showing this year and presumably will do again next season, and considering what the Jets had to trade to give up for Dubois, 
I think it's a very different story if Dubois walks at the end of his contract and there's nothing back to sort of fill the funnel going forward. So um, certainly tomorrow, Dubois is going to be a big, big part of the conversation, Reem. And as we was joking around with Hammer and Jamie at the beginning, um, there are going to be massive amounts of Montreal media surrounding 80 when he gets back to his hometown tomorrow. Yeah, and a lot of talk of him starting his new foundation, taking over the Vincent LeCavalier Foundation, a player who also never played for Montreal but was from the area. Great point by Ken last night. Yeah, on, I, yeah uh, and I, that's what I that. thought too when I saw the news. Like I didn't think it was a big deal. I mean, Jonathan Taves has, has stuff uh, here as well. So, I mean, it's not... I don't think it's anything. I don't think it means anything in terms of his future that he's having a charity in Montreal. He will have a lot of media. One guy who I think will have a lot of media too, and we almost forgot about this. Dom Zappia mentioned this in chat. Mark Shifley, because remember last year he did not play in Montreal, right? He was oh, he was injured. this is the first time back. From remember the, uh, after the Jake Evans hit? Yeah, do you, do you remember that? That was so long ago. I almost forgot. Yeah, half the Montreal media was calling him for him to be arrested. I mean, yes. it was the biggest overreaction that I can remember ever. And frankly, only in Montreal would it happen. Yeah, we'll see if there is unhinged tomorrow when 55 rolls through and uh, reminds everyone what's up and tells them to look at the standard. Remember when you thought the new standard of suspensions had been changed after that Mark Shifley hit on Jake Evans and there was a new harsher reality. It's only for players on the Jets. (laughs) And when you do it against Montreal, not, not not for anyone else. So I did... Enjoy uh, that conversation. I think it's good conversation we're going to be having. Um, and just in the lurking in the background of this awesome season from the Jets, I did see a lot of people mentioning in chat, you're talking about locking up free agents. A big free, uh, contract handed out today to Matt Boldy, 21 years old, in the middle of his second season in the league, 89 games, 27 goals, 41 assists, 68 points. He's been great on the power, power play one for Minnesota. Seven years times seven million AAV, forty-nine million dollar contract. I see some people in chat saying, "Oh, this is such an overpay." Well, uh, well, maybe he's getting a lot for this year, but I think over the life of the deal, this is going to be a bargain for Minnesota. And this is what you got to do, Hess. You got to lock him up now to these long-term deals. Um, and so you I'm know, telling maybe- you right now that yeah. in year two of that contract, that's going to be a bargain. Yes. I, I agree with you. Like, you know, if people haven't seen it, and, and, and really, I guess he he should. I would assume he's got one more year left on his ELC. I I can assume so. I'll so, just confirm. Well, I mean, he's only played two years in the league, yeah. so I don't know how he wouldn't what, how he, he wouldn't have it. Although it seems like no. an early time, uh, it seems like an early time to be able to sign an extension. So I'm not sure whether no. he had a a different contract. This, yeah, this is the last year of his ELC, so I don't know. I'm not exactly sure you know, following Minnesota, but maybe he played in the AHL the first year. I don't, I don't understand how it worked, but he was a you know 12th overall pick, Minnesota. I mean, that's what you got to do. You got to lock these guys up young because what are you going to do? Sign them to a short-term deal for like four or five, and then it go, you know, sign for a bridge deal, and, and then, then after that, nine. you're signing them for like nine or ten, and that's how it used to be done. And uh, it has changed, and you saw again. You saw this in baseball, you know, a while ago, where you just lock them up as young for a long time, and they're doing that. And you're it's coming over to hockey too. So, uh, I like the move for Minnesota. Now, how they navigate all the salary cap stuff, Huss, when they have the dead money of Suter and uh, Parise, 
And now you're adding another $7 million contract that kicks in next year. That'll be interesting for Minnesota. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Listen, I, I like the deal for Minnesota from their perspective, especially with how cap strapped they are because of those two buyouts that mm-hmm. you mentioned. Um, but again, we're seeing more and more of this. And this kind of went to what Jeff's point was that teams are identifying their younger players earlier and signing them to extensions. Now the jets have done a great job. at sort of stretching it out and then signing players to extensions. And it doesn't always work. Obviously we know what happened with Jacob Truba, but it didn't seem like there was a willingness to do it. I guess that entire last conversation just, you know, shows that this off season I think is so important for those two players, particularly, um, and listen, I mean, I, I don't think there should be any hurt feelings, um, but I do sort of think that Shifley and Shifley's contract is a notch below those two guys uh, because I could see Shifley playing on his current contract going into next season and sort of seeing how everything works out. I think the Jets need clarity on Dubois and Hellebuck because of what valuable assets they are. And if they aren't going to be around here, you probably do have to make a move and make sure that you're not left holding the bag for nothing like the Flames had with Johnny Gaudreau at the end of last season. Um, all right, we got to talk a little football. Crazy weekend in the National Football League. We got a game tonight. And of course, Nathan Rourke finally signing in the NFL. And to do that, let's welcome in TSN football insider Dave Naylor to WST. Dale, what's up? How are you? Oh, all kinds of things. Keeping busy. Keeping busy. Was in lovely Western New York yesterday, uh, taking in that one. Well, listen, I want to get to the NFL, but I mean, we should start off with the huge news that affects mm-hmm. the leagues on both sides of the border, and that's Nathan Rourke signing an NFL contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is interesting, uh, considering they've got a number one overall pick and really the future of the franchise in Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, Tell us about the interest that was in Nathan Rourke and what you're hearing about why he decided to go to Jacksonville. Well, I, I think he had several offers, and and I don't know to what degree they were all, uh, to what degree they involved guaranteed money, because that's kind of the currency of this process, right? They can't give him a big signing bonus because it will come out of the rookie pool, but they can guarantee portions of his contract. And the, I, you know, I, I think it's yeah, on the surface, it's surprising because you're going to a team where there's a guy who was the number one overall pick who won a college football championship, uh, who's in his second season. Uh, you know, so the Jaguars are not looking to move on from Trevor Lawrence, but I think you're taking advantage of the fact that you're 24 years old. You know, he turns 25 in May and I, and I'm not sure that NFL teams that have sort of a immediate or foreseeable vacancy at the starting quarterback are going to be as prone to take a shot on a Nathan Rourke because Let's be honest, it, you know, trying to project him as a starting quarterback in the NFL over the next year or two is a risk. And, and I say that as somebody who thinks he could actually he could do it. And I'll, and I'll get into why in a moment. But, you know, I, I think a team where he doesn't he's not going to be in a position to have to play right away, you know, barring an injury, is, is not a bad landing spot for him. And one of the things we learned about Nathan Rourke in the CFL is that he's capable of learning and growing and improving without actually playing football as a backup quarterback for the Lions in 2001, he made tremendous strides behind Mike Riley when he made just two starts. Now he ran practice a lot of days because Riley had an an elbow issue. And, but even in the 2020 year where there wasn't football, you know, he, he was making strides at that time. So uh, look, I, I think it's, it's not a bad situation for him. The fact that Henry Burris is there doesn't hurt. The fact that Mike McCoy, the quarterback coach has a background in the CFL probably doesn't hurt. 
Uh, and ultimately, you know, I, again, I, I don't, I think he's playing the long game here. Well, it's uh, it was an interesting, interesting choice because I think we knew how much interesting, uh, how much interest there was in him. Um, but man, just coming off that game on Saturday night, it was sort of funny to think, yeah. oh, the Jags. Listen, well, the joke that somebody said on Twitter was, did he sign his contract when it was twenty-seven nothing? You know, which I, <laughs> I think was hilarious question, hilarious commentary. But, well, well yeah. speaking of that, um, what an epic choke job by the Chargers. Ah, yeah, you know. Um, I assume the, this may precipitate a coaching change. Uh, and how, you know, how can like, it and, not, Dave? How can it not? Well, I mean, this is it. Look, there's there's issues that are already there, right? And and when you get up that big in a game, you know, your coach's job is just to not lose that game. And and I'll be honest, I, I just personal story. Like I watched a lot of football, as you know. So when that thing goes to twenty-seven nothing, I jump into my hot tub in the backyard, right, and have an elongated halftime, and I come back in. And it's 30 to 20. <laughs> I can't honey, like, okay, let's, and, and you know, it just, I, I love the aggressiveness that, that Doug Peterson showed bringing his team back. I love the call to go for two when Bosa's penalty, you know, put the ball on the one yard line. And I, I always think when teams are in a situation like that, you know, they always, so many coaches just reach, they want to get to overtime, extend the game. How about doing the thing that gives you the best chance of winning? And that's usually seizing the momentum that you've got you know, while you're trying to produce this comeback. And I think that was absolutely what they did. You know, Lawrence makes the play, they get a stop and they got the ball and the momentum and bang, they win it. But yeah, I, 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 I was just stunned by that one that they couldn't, you know, okay. if you're an NFL playoff team with a 27 point lead, you should be able to grind that game out to a conclusion without it becoming a nail biter, Never mind giving up the lead as, as they ultimately did. They won the turnover battle five nothing. Well, I, it's, and, I mean that, that's another shocking one, and and again, or you know, or the fact that Trevor Lawrence's first playoff game include first four first half interceptions and a victory. <laughs> I mean, turnovers are such an indicated indicative stat. I mean, they really in today's NFL, as close as teams are, turnovers are immense. I mean, they are they are the Buffalo Bills kryptonite, and the number one reason why that game was close yesterday, and the number one reason why the Bills lost three games this season, because in all of them, they had turnover issues. So the fact that you can lose the turnover battle 5-0, 4-0 in the first half, and still win the game is, I mean, don't wait for the next time that happens. Yeah, well, it, it had never happened before, and I think it'll be a little while uh, before we see it again. Just the special skill of the L.A. Chargers to uh, come up small in the biggest moments. We're going to get the game that we didn't get a couple weeks ago. I think this is just great for the league and for fans, Buffalo and Cincinnati. But I'll tell you what, neither of those teams look particularly great yesterday. You were there in New York, Bill. Uh, uh, Dave, what were your what was your takeaways from the Bills survival of Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, and you know who Skylar Thompson used to throw to at Kansas State, right? I believe that would be Dalton Schoen. Dalton Schoen told us stories when we sat down with him uh, in the fall about how he and this scout team quarterback would make the starting D look bad by torching it, and that's how they got on the field. So, yeah, there's a bit of a CFL connection uh, to that one. Look, the Bills have a unique ability to make games that they have massive statistical advantages in and personnel advantages 
and make them close. And there's no two better examples than their two games against the Miami Dolphins, okay? If you show me their box score from that game in September, like I'm thinking of the middle game in December. I'm talking about the one in September. If you show me the box score of that game in September, right? Stats, rushing, passing, take drive charts, time of possession, even leave the turnovers in there and show me the box score of the game from yesterday and take, just don't show me the score. Just show me the stats, the drive charts, the time of possession, all that stuff. And ask me what those two games are. I would tell you it's two Buffalo Bill blowout wins. Sorry, they, they rushed for 100 yards. Gabe Davis had 100. Steph Diggs had 100. You know, Josh threw for 352. It's a blowout win, right? And and the, the, the numbers on the game in September are even more one-sided. The combined total of those two games, Buffalo by one point. It's a two-point loss and a three-point win. I, 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 both of those games, I walk around and say, how in the world was that close? You look at it and say, well, maybe Miami made more clutch plays. No, they were 4 of 16 on third down. You know, the Bills were 9 of, of 16. Basically, I think, you know, it, it was kind of similar to the San Diego thing. They got up 17-0, and the Bills played as if they were trailing. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're the high-risk plays, you know, down the field. Three and outs, quick, you know, not taking time off the clock. Uh, opportunities for turnovers. The, the odd thing for me on the Bills is that that style of play was way more akin to the Bills in September than it was in October, November, December. And in fact, October, November, December, they really evolved into a legitimate two-dimensional team that could rush the ball. They developed their rookie back, James Cook, to go along with Singletary. They played a much more physical style. Josh was checking it down and throwing it away, not taking the risks. It looked like the whole evolution of their season, and their, particularly their offense, was to sort of tune it for playoff football. It's, you know, like in hockey, you say, you, can't, you can win 6-1 games in October, but you better be able to win, you know, 3-2 games in, in the spring, right? Same kind of thing. You've got to be able to win those mucky games. And, and the Bills playing an undermanned Miami Dolphin team should have been able to just line up and play football and beat them. And instead, they kind of went away from what they'd been moving towards all season and tried to become the Bills from opening night at SoFi Stadium on September the 7th or whatever that was. And But but again, did it with a gigantic lead against a, an undermanned team and provided them the opportunity to get back in the game. I mean, Miami made plays. You know, they had 28 incompletions, which is part of why that game was four and a half hours. I, I've never – we're sitting that there and was- I'm going – how in the world is it three o'clock at halftime? They had to delay the Vikings uh, Giants game by 20, 25 minutes. And well, even it, still, it almost it, wasn't over. It wasn't like they had an injury that, you know, that stopped the game for 20 minutes or anything. It was just, it was just so many plays with incompletions that, that were stopping the clock. So I, I thought it, it was not what I expected to see the style of game. I expected the Buffalo Bills to play on offense, particularly when they got up. Well, and, and just quickly, and I'm sure you were probably traveling, but I mean, last night, the Cincinnati-Baltimore game, which again, another divisional game, I think you're smart to maybe think that it might be closer than it yeah. might appear on paper. It sure. certainly was. But I mean, you talk about turnovers. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens were on the goal line in a tie game in the second half, and, you know, Huntley fumbles it. Sam Hubbard goes 98 yards, and I mean, that was the difference. It certainly makes uh, up for a fascinating matchup. I'm seeing the Bills have opened as four and a half point favorites. A little surprised that the number is that high. Uh, but before we go, Dave, we do have one more game in this wild card week, and it's the Cowboys against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Um, the Cowboys are our road favorites. Certainly, they had a much better regular season than Tampa did. But this is the playoffs. We know what Tom Brady does. How do you see this one going down? 
I kind of lean Tampa Bay just because I think the Brady factor does come in in, in these kind of games. Um, look, Tom Brady's been a little more interception prone than he's been in the past. I mean, we always say that you, you got to beat Tom Brady. He's not going to beat himself. And even if he doesn't beat himself, there is a team on the other side that is kind of prone to beating itself, right? Oh. And, <laughs> and, and that's time? at playoff yeah. time, right? And that's one I, I sometimes I, I sometimes believe, you know, in franchise DNA. You know, players never want to talk about that. Different groups of players, different groups of coaches, whatever. But sometimes there's stuff that, you know, this is what makes sports fun. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lean in Tampa Bay on this one, but it's more of an instinct thing and just kind of, I'm, I'm probably as much leaning against the Cowboys as I am leaning into the Buccaneers on this. So you're telling me you there's certainly been times this year, that Tampa Bay, and there are times I thought they were kind of going to fade away. Right. And, and, it, and it's, they would have you know, in any other division. It's hilarious right. that they're and, even in the playoffs, which is a reason why they are, you know, home underdogs. Right. So, but again, Tom Brady in the playoffs versus the Dallas Cowboys DNA in the playoffs. You know, tell me. I think Brady just has been totally, uh, totally revitalized after outdueling Trace McSorley in that overtime game a couple weeks ago. It's uh, now it's playoff. Brady is back. I guess we'll see it tonight. Nails, great stuff as always. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate all the work you and the gang do with TSN, and uh, we'll look forward to it. You got to be back in Buffalo next weekend, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I'll be I'll be back in in Buffalo, and if they continue, I'll be with them in Atlanta the week after that. So no, it's it's um it's been it's been an interesting team to cover because they uh, they certainly give you lots to talk about every week. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Dave. <laughs> See you. Bye. All right, good stuff from uh, from Nails. Farhan also uh, with some interesting reporting on uh, the uh, the the Rourke signing in. Um, the Rourke signing in Jacksonville. Let me just pull this up again here. Um, you know, he felt that this was an opportunity, um, that he had the best opportunity in Jacksonville to get the number two job. Uh, and obviously there's the, you know, a little bit of a CFL connection with Henry Burris there. Just some other Jags connections that Farhan was mentioning, their assistant uh, RB coach, there's the former QB and coach at Ohio where the Rourke brothers both chased his passing record, spent 2014 with the Ticats. And I want this one, Reem. Rourke and Lawrence were in the same group at the Manning Passing Academy together in 2019. Doesn't seem that long ago. No, that does not. And Nathan Rourke had an amazing season with the BC Lions. I loved watching him and uh, taking him on in fantasy every week thrown to that group of receivers they had, but he's earned this opportunity to, you know, have a shot at the NFL. I mean, the amount of uh, wealth you can generate just from being the number two or on the practice squad is immense. So, um, you know, pretty cool to see him get that opportunity and we'll be cheering for him uh, from a distance here. And that is a nice connection with Henry Burris on the Jaguars coaching staff. And, I did enjoy the joke that uh, Rourke signed while the Jaguars were down twenty-seven. Yeah, that, that was that was money from uh, from Naylor. Yeah, um, and uh, obviously Rourke has a big advocate there in Henry Burris. He says he felt they offered him a real shot at the number two job next year. Loved the system and the stability in the organization. He met the full Jag staff when he worked out there, and was offered guaranteed money on the first year of his de- uh, of his deal, and the best chance to develop. So uh, good stuff. For Nathan Rourke. Um, listen, we got to get to some cool bit lines and talk about this game tonight. Um, first up, though, 
do want to thank our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group for all their great support. If you're looking for a DQ ice cream cake or a blizzard cake for an upcoming event, hit them up at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. They'll get it ready for you. And you can pop by for a very quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs while you're there. Jump on one of those two cheese stack burgers. Man, they're good. Um, and another underrated item, the honey barbecue chicken fingers. Absolutely Ooh. amazing. Um, Nick and Nicky DQs, four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And hey, we've got a great contest from our friends at Little Brown Jug. You've still got a couple days to enter. Folks, mark this down. What you're going to want to do is head over to Instagram at Little Brown Jug Brewing and enter to win a prize pack, including a $100 Little Brown Jug gift card, four cases of bright water, 24 cans of each flavor. Got a couple here, the raspberry lemon and the mint lime. There you go. Uh, a tour of Little Brown Jug's brewery for you and five friends includes a beer flight and a tulip glass each as well as a black Little Brown Jug t-shirt and hat. Here's how to enter. Head over to the Instagram post, like it, tag free fr three friends, follow Little Brown Jug Brewing and Bright.Water on Instagram, and you can share the post to your story for an extra, extra entry. Um, all right, we are going to get to this uh, football news and well, the football game tonight, but we have some breaking news on WST, Michael Remus. Breaking news, something that general manager Kyle Walters sort of said that he felt pretty good about. Is this correct? Jackson Jeffcoat is back with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You damn right it is. Yeah, shout out to the chat, uh, Julian, keeping us on top of things here. And yes, they tweeted out, Saxon Jeffcoat returns one-year contract extension to Jackson Jeffcoat. L. Jeff A. Coat, 44. Uh, that's awesome to see. Uh, and Kyle Walters was on this show last week. Uh, we posted it as a standalone on our YouTube channel. Uh, check it out if you haven't. Some great insight on uh, what Tyrell Ford in the NFL and Dalton Schoen uh, not going there. Yeah, we've got some great comments yeah. on that. If you are a Bomber fan and you're interested in to sort of, you know, what goes on behind a guy, like, well, Nathan Rourke may be a little bit of a different uh, different scenario, yeah. but Trey Ford going, questions about Dalton Schoen. Some great insight, but, but part of the thing in that was there was a bit of a uh, a tip that uh, he had a feeling that things were going quite well, and it sounded like there was a couple contracts in the drawer, and DC was just waiting to announce them. They got to spread. They can't announce all the contracts at one. They got to milk the news uh, throughout yep. January so we can talk about have some in each day. But great to see uh, Jackson back, and um, yeah, I mean, big part of the big part of the defense. Uh, you know, they were using him in marketing materials too, which was a tip off hustler. So, <laughs> so he'll, I didn't he's think back be doing that. that. If they thought that he had one yeah. foot out the door. Um, all right, let's get to the cool bet lines tonight. Cowboys, Bucks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, sub 500, NFC South champions. Taking on the 12-win Dallas Cowboys. The game is in Tampa, but the Cowboys are a short favorite. Minus two and a half points is the number for Dak and the Cowboys going up against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we hit this all in the lock shop, but we do have a little lock shop Monday night football exclusive over at Cool Bet. 
Dusty's on the uh, Ezekiel Elliott TD. We like Tony Pollard to get 15-plus receiving yards. And my pick, Tom Brady, to throw an interception. Plus 515. Nice little juiced-up parlay there. If you want to ride with us, Zeke to score a touchdown, Tony Pollard, 15 or more receiving yards, and Tom Brady to throw an interception. It's up right now at plus 515. Um, we've already got a quick, this is actually our first look at the lines for these other games. The Jags, eight-point underdogs in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. The Giants, seven-point, seven-and-a-half-point underdogs in Philly to take on the Eagles. Now, this is really interesting. Cincinnati and Buffalo, neither team looked particularly great on the weekend, but we get this long-awaited matchup. The Bills were four-and-a-half points favorites when we started the lock shop today. We kind of were talking about this. We thought this would go down, and it literally did during the show to four. I'm stunned, Rivas, to see it at five-and-a-half right now. Obviously, some big Buffalo money coming in. I, I Listen, I think this is going to be a really close game. I, I highly doubt you'll be seeing a five on the board plus for the Bengals in a day or two. Yeah, you think this would be like a close, like a three-point game? Uh, these two teams, Bengals and Bills, were getting the match that we didn't get a couple weeks ago on Monday Night Football. A lot of points. Over-under is 50. I feel like that total is going to rise. Uh, says Jags Chiefs yeah. is at is at fifty one. Uh, um, I'm confused by that, but uh, yeah, that'll be something to really keep an eye on. Uh, two big teams. Can Joe Burrow? You know they're the defending uh, AFC champions. You almost forget that, hey? Oh, I don't. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm I'm very aware. They mentioned that during the game last night. I was like, oh yeah, they were in the Super Bowl and they lost, right? And they beat the Chiefs. Remember they beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship? I don't even know how they did that one, Hustler. Yeah, well, I can tell you the Chiefs were up 21 to 3, <laughs> screwed around on the goal line going into the first half and then basically I don't know who was wearing their uniforms in the second half, but uh hey, if Mahomes said they choked and if he said it, I will go along with it. He did it. Now, speaking of chokes, what happened with the Chargers was all-time. What did you watch the game or were you one of the people that thought it was done at 27 nothing and went to do something else? Yeah, I thought it was done. 27 nothing. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known. I is the char I tweet I was just so disappointed when someone alerted me that uh the Chargers did in fact blow it. I tweeted out the Chargers charged again. I can't believe how they continually do this. And it would have been nice if they would have had Mike Williams. They didn't rest their starters in week well, 18. Oh, no, they needed him for week 18, man. Yeah, just such idiocy. <laughs> um, so I'm just disappointed for all the Charger fans. I checked out Jeff Feinberg's Twitter feed. He seemed almost oh. numb. He seemed like he was just fine and, like, expect, and just, like, expects it. Um, and I just started remembering, like, it's been going on with the Chargers for a long time. I remember Nate Kading, like, missing field goals against the Mark Sanchez uh, Jets, it's going, like going back a long time. They just, they have more talent than this pass to be blowing 27 yep. point lead to the Jags. Well, two things on that. Uh, uh, we all remember how distasteful it was when Gerard Gallant got thrown into a cab by the Florida Panthers. Mm -hmm. I would not have blamed the Chargers whatsoever if Brandon Staley got the Gerard Gallant tr uh, treatment after that. Um, I'm not sure that he's long for the job with the Chargers, the way this season went, and uh, certainly the way the season ended. It kind of feel bad for Justin Herbert, although, man, he could have made a couple more plays in the second half and avoided that. But 
overall, just an absolutely crazy, crazy comeback by the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're still alive. They'll be taking on the Chiefs in the early game on Saturday. Late game will be Giants-Eagles. The Bills and Bengals going to 2 o'clock next week, and the winner of tonight will be traveling to San Francisco for what probably will be about a 5.30 Winnipeg start. Um, as far as the futures right now, Chiefs are a slight favorite for uh, the Super Bowl at plus 320. Bills plus 365. Bengals plus 800. And wouldn't you know, the Niners are now a shorter number than the Philadelphia Eagles. I've been sort of waiting for that to happen as Brock Purdy gets more comfortable. Devo Samuel back. Man, they look dangerous on the weekend. And hey, just one more bit about that char uh, the Chargers choke. I did tweet this out on the weekend, but for both karma purposes and the fact that I was numb for two years at least when the Chiefs blew that 38-10 lead in Indy and lost 45-44. So I have been there before on the wrong end of a meltdown like that. I remember it well. So I didn't want to dance on the grave too much, at least on social media. Uh, but it was pretty hard not to have a little fun with that today because that was an all-timer in a playoff game. But again, it's happened before. The Chiefs did it. We saw what happened with the Vikings and the Colts um, You know, earlier this year. No lead is safe. It almost felt like the Canadian Football League there for a little bit. Uh, but we move on, and that Jags-Chiefs game is going to be pretty interesting. There's, I mean, the Jags, you want to talk about a team playing with house money right now, Remo. That is Doug Peterson's squad going into Arrowhead. Yeah, the Jags looked like ass um, in that week. 18 game against uh, the Titans that barely scraped by. But when they've been down, they've had they had a big comeback. It was against the Raiders this year. They're kind of, I think when you're down, you're kind of more loose. You know, you're not playing scared. You're trying to kind of, trying to go for it more. Uh, I like Trevor Lawrence. You make throws. They got a nice group of receivers. Uh, they can run the ball on the ground. So their offense was really good, especially for fantasy purposes. So, um, you know, I'm kind of not surprised that they were able to score points, but. Uh, sad for the Chargers, who played the Chiefs well this year. Uh, huh? So they're going to win. Oh, we, yeah. First off, I listen. If the Chargers had won that game, and I was already ready for it, they scare the hell out of me. They play great against the Chiefs. They've won an Arrowhead before. It seems like the Chiefs bring the best out of the Chargers. That for some reason nobody else does because of how inconsistent that they've been. Yeah, and I do. We didn't mention the Vikings who lost after having a. Sorry, what was their season? Twelve and three. Is that or what was it? Twelve and uh, thirteen and four. Sorry, thirteen and four. They were thirteen and four with a negative point differential. Yeah, and I think anyone who was like paying close attention knew that their record was kind of flattering to the way they played, especially based on the point differential. Their defense uh, couldn't stop anyone. They played the the Giants a couple of weeks ago, lost or won uh, on a last second field goal. Um, Man, I, I like, uh, you know, look, the Giants, they rested their starters, Huss, in Week 18. Look Go look figure. what it gets you. Look what it gets you, a win. And uh, they were able to move the ball, no problem. I did see someone in our mentions in our DM that the Vikings needed a quarterback. Well, they didn't turn the ball over, didn't get sacked. No, they need to figure out. People yeah. that blame Kirk Cousins, I'm sorry, are out to lunch on this. This was not a Kirk Cousins loss. Yes, Like, mix in a stop on defense once a game. Thank you. <laughs> the, the, the Vikings took the ball, went down, got that 7 nothing lead, great. And then the Giants got the ball. And it, in those first couple drives, it was 15 yards of play. 
minimum. I think at one point in the first half, they had run 28 plays and had, or sorry, they had 285 yards of total offense and were averaging something like nine or 10 yards a play. Um, it was Gash City. Danny Dimes running the ball really well. Perfect time for him getting ready to hit the uh, hit the open market after the Giants did not um, exercise his fifth year option. Might be uh, might be mistaken that one. Yeah, man, he's man. Daniel uh, Jones, one of the best uh, running quarterbacks in the NFL. And it was amazing how much they were running like straight runs with him and just tearing up chunk yardage. And I see people in chat. Mike Cochran says. Uh, Cousins not the problem. Defense is old and bad. Craig Smith says defense yeah. uh, was brutal, and so does Jeff Cabela. So um, they couldn't get a stop, and I think it was like that most of the season uh, for the Vikings. So It I got don't know. worse through the year, which was, I, I think, maybe the most concerning. And like Kevin Kolak says, I agree with this. Cousins is enough of QB for them to win with if the defense holds up. Uh, there was none of that yesterday. So... But overall, I did talk with some Vike fans. Uh, listen, if you didn't think that they were going to win the Super Bowl, which I don't think many people did, I think you can look back and think that you've got a bright young coach. You certainly need some personnel changes on the defensive side of the football. But overall, I think a pretty bright future. And that was a fun season. Um, listen, if it's about winning and losing, you won the 13 games. There were 13 times you watched your team and were pretty happy afterwards, even if it ended the way that it did. So long off season for Viking fans. Uh, I don't, listen, I didn't think either of those teams were long for the playoffs. If it was the Vikings winning, I thought they would have gotten murdered against the San Francisco 49ers. And I do think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to handle the uh, the Giants. But we'll see what happens tonight. As I said, we've got that exclusive up over at Cool Bet. Also, a ton of hockey games today. Uh, I guess it's a holiday in some parts of the United States. Kraken uh, Lightning, Devil's Sharks playing right now, Wings Avalanche. Earlier today, Boston thumped the Philadelphia Flyers. It was 6 nothing at last uh, at last look. Uh, yeah, 6 nothing was the final. Oh, and Paul Maurice's Panthers showing a little bit of sign of life. They went in. They needed that one. They've been chasing Buffalo for a while. They beat Buffalo 4-1. to one. As far as other games tonight, uh, Dallas and Vegas. One's pretty close to a pick -em. Vegas, a very slight home favorite. Rangers, Blue Jackets. Rangers minus 186 on the road. The Penguins, a massive home favorite against the struggling Ducks, who seem to give up six or more every night. Uh, Washington and the Islanders, real tight game. Slight favorite goes to the Caps on the road. Um, Flames and Predators. Flames playing quite well lately. I little think that might be the cool bet daily pick that we'll put out on their socials later on. Calgary minus 140. And uh, the Ottawa Senators. Explain this to me, Reem. We were talking about this on the lock shop today. Ottawa, who just got pumped 7-0 by the Avalanche are favored on the road in St. Louis. Am I missing something what? yet? Ottawa's minus 113. St. Louis is minus 104. But like their fifth string goalie, they were half their team out. Yeah, I don't know. What's you? I'll check money puck, see what they have to say. They have it. Um, they have St. Louis at 51.1%. So still not a favorite for Ottawa. Um, that is um, no. strange. I don't just know. Out of, just out of... Uh, well, we might just have to bet the Blues just because. Uh, anyways, that one doesn't make a lot of sense. Head on over to uh, yeah. Cool Bet. If you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST 
for uh, a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to 200 bucks. I know we got to go, but we almost forgot this. Someone mentioned it in chat, and I sent it to you on the weekend. This was like insta-forward. Uh, Sinbin.Vegas reporting <laughs> Robin Lehner. I know we got to go, but Robin Lehner filed for bankruptcy due to ownership of exotic snake farm. One of the most odd bizarre stories according to the public filing uh, he estimates his worth of assets is between one and ten and his liability to creditors between 10 and 50 million it's a big range um like he, 40 million dollar wiggle room there in 2017 he reportedly purchased a collection of exotic snakes for 1.2 million and he was supposed to pay quarterly installments to the guy he bought it from then the guy he bought it from was murdered and um by his wife and what? he stopped making the payments and then i think his estate is trying to get his i don't know i don't he lost his money in exotic snakes hustler and then the snakes what started breeding and became less valuable i don't understand the exotic snake market but i guess when you when you miss making NHL money, you decide to spend your money on weird stuff a normal person never would ever consider. Um, yeah, when you've got fu money, you do things like this. Well, he doesn't have that money anymore, unfortunately. And I see Gregory, Gregory, great comment. I thought Brent Burns would enter in that business. Big snake guy, Brent Burns. Yeah, for so sure. I, Gregory, your Cowboys better get it done tonight. So he started taking out all these loans, has to pay for maintaining these exotic snakes like i don't know how many snakes you get for 1.2 million um sounds like a lot but it's just a uh, sinbin.vegas had the story it's just i was wondering if i got paid athlete money like if i would be spending it like that horribly and going i hope that wouldn't happen to me but like, you think the money train's gonna end i mean it happens to a lot of athletes but you think the it's never going to end. You have unlimited money. You can just go buy 1.2 million of snake snake farm Let's and go have get to... a snake farm. Why not? And then I guess you don't realize that you have to maintain one point. I'm sure it costs a lot in food and maintenance and stuff. And you just kept taking on all this debt <laughs> for Tanny. I see that comment. <laughs> yes, indeed. There's all sorts of expensive things that can be described as exotic that can uh, dent your bankroll. There's no, no doubt about that. Yeah. What a... um, what one one other thing? Uh, you know, we should say R.I.P. Gino Ojic, uh, one of the toughest dudes in NHL history. Really, I mean, he was an absolute killer. Uh, fifty-two years old. Really, really sad to hear his passing. And um, you know, was a very important player in the Indigenous hockey circles as well. Heard Ethan Bear speaking about it. Um, so needed to mention that. Uh, we talked about the Matt Boldy contract earlier. Jets today unveiled their South Asian Heritage logo for the game on February 11th. What's interesting about that game, that's the 9 p.m. game Saturday night here in Winnipeg. Um, but I did see uh, the um, uh, the CIBC, uh, the CBC crew uh, that does the games, and I believe it's Hindi, quote me on that, uh, but they're going to be broadcasting the game as well. That should be really great exposure for some of the things the Jets are doing in the community with some of the, um, you know, the different cultures. We had that huge hit 
of the Filipino Heritage Night, and of course the South Asian one. Very neat logo. If you're watching with us in YouTube, uh, there it is. But Remo, the final bit of business we have to talk about. Everyone was talking. I saw it all over social media. People were going crazy about Krispy Kreme yes. coming to Winnipeg. Apparently there's going to be a location in the seasons of Tuxedo. But what, I, and listen, great. I, I don't mind Krispy Kremes at all. I'm like donuts. I'm in. But what was lost, I don't understand why so many people were talking about that, when a far more important development is that Arby's is returning to Winnipeg and we're going to finally get an Arby's back and apparently it's going to be right there too. Yeah, I'm not really an Arby's guy, so that didn't move the needle for me. But Krispy Kreme, I remember the first time I had Krispy Kreme. Cheddar? Come on. What? No, I've never I actually never even had Arby's. Arby's got ruined for me. Okay, uh, so you've never si tried it. From the like. Simpsons, where she goes, I'm so hungry, I could eat at Arby's. And it's just tainted. I've never had it. Um, we also didn't have Arby's <laughs> for a long time, right? I don't know. Like, you watch Arby's, and it's like $2 for, like, a roast beef sandwich. I don't know. Never appealed I wish. to me. I wish. That's not true. But again, you are. this is a perfect example of making... Uh, conclusions based on faulty information or fake news. Yeah. Based I don't care. Or fake news. I will say this. I, I was so jealous. We I, When I was in Saskatoon last year for the uh, Olympic curling trials, yeah. staying in Saskatoon, I, I ordered tons of Arby's on Skip. And it just dawned upon me, how in the world do we have a National Hockey League franchise <laughs> And yet we lost our Arby's. It just didn't make sense. So anyways, the beef and cheddar is coming back. Yeah. And uh, if you are a Krispy Kreme fan, you will be able to. I'm, you won't have to drive to Gas Track in uh, Pemina, North Dakota to get oh, your fix. Krispy Kreme. I remember having it like in, uh, as in Vegas with my family in the year 2000. And discovered this Krispy Kreme. We watched the donuts getting oh, yeah. made and they melt in your mouth. I'm, I can't. I, I can't. We would bring them home from like Grand Forks. Now they kind of fell they weren't as cool for a while because like people are trying to eat healthy and probably the least healthy thing you could eat. But man, are they are they good? So hopefully it's good. Um, in the Canadian yeah. version. The one thing I'll say is I think that it's lost a little bit of a luster just because of how huge it got uh, in the states and how mm. readily available they were. But the other thing is, as far as for Winnipeg, and this is why I'm way more fired up that Arby's is coming yeah. back than Krispy Kreme, is that we have so many amazing local donut shops now. Agreed. That are great. Although I will say, just a quick donut take. I don't know how the hell we got to this point, but Sev and McDonald's both have better donuts than Tim Hortons right now. What yeah. what 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 year is what what year are we living in in 2023? And I can tell you that from personal experience, trying all of them in the last week, and I don't even think it's close right now. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, well, Tim Hortons. I mean, a lot of people have thoughts about the quality since Burger King. Uh, Burger King took it over. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to local donuts. I will say, say, uh, see Stonewall Dave in chat. Oh, donuts. Uh, yep. very good. That's where I, what about uh, bro nuts? I never I been there. The, there's I one, love the name of that spot. There's one girl on Instagram, uh, crumb queen. Yes. Uh, she had, makes incredible donuts, but like, you have to make an effort, a real effort to try to get them at the right time they go on sale. But they yeah, are, you got to order them. You got to be there at yeah. a certain time, but Hey, demand is high. Check out the crumb queen as well. So shout out all the local donut shops. And uh, anyways, Krispy Kreme, you're welcome. But Arby's, welcome back. That's going to be big. I can only hope that that starts maybe a few others around the city because 
It was a dark, dark moment. I mean, I remember the last Arby's was at KP Mall, and we were out there for a TSN event, and I talked to the guy there, Grant, and he said, you know what? I got bad news. This one's not reopening after the uh, after the big renovations of the food court. And that was it for Arby's in Winnipeg. So uh, it's coming back. There's a quick fast Winnipeg fast food update for you here on WST. Remote. Who you got? Cowboys or Bucks tonight? Uh oh man, I've been so wrong on all of them. The Chargers, I thought the Chargers were gonna do it. Um, I'll take the I'm gonna take the Cowboys. Um all right, I let's think, ride. I'll who are you taking? I see sixty three percent take the Bucks in chat. Who you got? Death taxes and me picking against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Of course I'm going with the Cowboys. Okay. They were a better team all year. They should win. Um but listen, I won't be surprised if I'm eating crow tomorrow on this one. Let's just say this is not a heavy play, more of a heart play. But uh, I'd love to see Cowboys Niners too. That would be a great game. If the Bucks go out there, they're going to lose by 35 to San Francisco. So let's hope for the betterment of our viewing pleasure next week. The Cowboys get it done. Gregory, this is on you if they lose. Um, folks, great stuff today. Uh Really enjoyed the conversation back and forth with Jeff Hamilton. Uh, of course, Jamie Thomas jumping on and Dave Naylor as well. Uh, we'll have a big one tomorrow. Might have a Matt Libel sighting coming into the program. Mike McIntyre is going to jump on and we'll hear from Montreal and Winnipeg tomorrow morning. And um, just waiting to see how big that throng is outside Pierre-Luc Dubois stall tomorrow when the Jets get to Montreal to try to stay on top of the Western Conference. Folks, have a great one. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.